This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 287, Super Nasroka Guide. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Hunter, have you heard the rumor mill? What's the rumor? The rumor mill is that copies of the Twilight Imperium role-playing game sourcebook are floating around out there, and people are getting a hold of it, and it might Uh-oh. be it might be very close to time that we are able to finally play the Twilight Imperium RPG, and uh, I, for one, hey, you know what? Surprise to many. I'm excited for it. You're excited about it? Yeah. Why? I mean, <laughs> I feel like we kind of played it the best you could like last year at Gen Con, if I remember correctly. And everyone knows I mean, role-playing games are meant to be played once, and that is about, you know, it's just repetitive sort listen, of experience listen, from then on. I, like, what's listen, the point? you get in, you name your guy Scrumpy, <laughs> you do a poop joke that you don't even want to do, you know? And then you kind of pretend you don't want to. I mean, you know, you actually do you know want to do it. You you really want to do it. Planning but it's nice. it for days. It's nice to have a scapegoat, mm-hmm. someone you can just blame it yeah. on. You yeah. can be like, listen, I am a smart. I'm one of the smart ones, mm-hmm. one of the good ones, one of the ones that knows better. But <laughs> mommy told me that I had to do a poop joke. Uh oh, <laughs> now I'm in trouble. In Aww. trouble. Uh, no, I'm very excited. Uh, I we we have slated in this season of Space Cats Peace Turtles. We in, intend to do a few episodes on the RPG, and for oh, yeah. a while that has been a question of like, I mean, we want to do that, but there's absolutely no telling if we will be allowed to. But it certainly feels like that's gonna. I think that's gonna happen. The the most recent Listen. rumor was that people were putting shelf dates of like the 24th ish, like th- like this Friday. February 24th was becoming like a listed shelf date and then mm. some stores have gotten copies. So I don't know, listeners, if you're out there, go check your local game store. They might just have the dang thing. Yeah, that's funny that like board games and tabletop role-playing games are still kind of like the old days yeah, where yeah. it's like we don't even know when they come out. It's like <laughs> it's as if somebody just has them and they're uh-huh. like, okay, it's done. Put, sell it to the people now. Like they yeah. just hand it over. I'm it's so, so foolish because I will, I, I will call board game. This happened with, I forget what with twilight inscription, uh, where twilight inscription had a shelf date and I called up a store and they did happen to have it. But I like, I get ahead of myself and I was like, I don't think it's supposed to come out until tomorrow, but I didn't know if y'all had copies. And then the person there that like, doesn't care was like, Oh, well, but yeah, it doesn't come out till tomorrow, so I can't sell it to you. Whereas if I had said nothing, oh my there's God, no way Matt. they would have checked and I would have just been able to get the copy, but I like buried yeah, the lead. dude, <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody. Dude, the people that work at board game stores, they're like, they, before they got hired, they're like, what is a board game? Like that's like their first question when they get on, on the day of, you know. So like that's yeah, so patently no, that's actually, not true for so many areas outside of where Hunter not and I are true. from. It's, yeah, I went to Twenty Sided Store the other day and was talking to somebody working there, and they knew everything. everything. <laughs> they knew they should have. A, I was like, you should have a podcast. You do great at this. I don't even know what any of this stuff is, and I'm uninterested in it. You know, because I'm just I'm the grumpy farty guy being yeah. in there like. 
No, I really only like one thing. Do you yeah. have like stuff like that? Just more of it, please. Can it just be like that? And like, no, this is like a fun party game. I don't really go to parties. I don't what is really my do old, that. Am I supposed to party? Yeah. Who am I partying with? I don't have fun when I'm supposed to be having fun. I I, I strategically try to outwit my opponents and only yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I hope I hope the RPG is available soon. I hope it is out there. Um, we talked to the guy yeah. on the cover of the Twilight Imperium box, the soul guy, yeah. and which it was so crazy that he was like a real guy. It was like, I, I didn't get that in the episode because my first thought was like, aren't you supposed to be like just art? Like, why are you just, why are you a real person? Uh, and he, he made it seem like he was making a game. And so it seemed yeah. like it might be real. It you know? seemed so. true. So we'll see it this week true. if it was actually true in the end. Uh, but no, I'm stoked. I'm excited to dig into it. I've also been sitting on my avatar, the last airbender RPG for like a month and haven't dug into it. That's a whole other topic of conversation that we're not going to get into because we have a chock full episode for you today because it's another faction super guide. We have oh. to drown you in the Nasroka Alliance. No, listen, you get like one, you get one a month, okay? Uh -huh. So one one time a month, we, we do a kind of throwback episode to the olden days, <laughs> you know, where we wax poetic and tell you that we're the smarty pants and that we, that we know because, of course, you know, we're, this is where every week we write a dissertation, you know, uh, or at least that's how it used to be. It used to be like, it, it felt like the show was like we were getting a PhD uh -huh. and it was rough. You know yeah, what I mean? Like right. we were having a rough time. Uh, every week was just kind of like staying up late, studying all day, being like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to defend this thesis. Uh -huh. um, but now, you know, it's old hat. I, 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 I know where we're at. We basically just say blue tech, blue tech, and right. then we move on with our lives. Yeah. You know, for two hours, we just repeat the sentence blue tech over and over again. And everyone acts like it's a big con. Everybody on the discord thinks they listened to the show, but like, we just funneled that in through the memories of this sort of blue tech sort of deluge of ju yeah. just a chant that we go in and it helps us take control of your mind so you think we imparted knowledge into your head. Right, Hunter, but can we I, didn't. Can I tell you about some of the lore of the Nazareth? Oh my God. Well, this is, what a good day, you yeah. know, because we are actually talking about one of the two space cats that yes, we have exactly. for this game. So we exactly. are truly living our values right now, you know? <laughs> The Nazroka are the best addition of POK hands down because it gives us another space cat that is way cooler because he's got yeah. a little grumble buddy hanging out on his shoulders. A little gremlin, <laughs> a little grumpus on the back there. Ooh, so, so cute. The Roka are our cats and the Nas are the little goblins that hang out on their shoulders and they're best friends. They're so it's such a wholesome thing. You all you you are always yeah. born with a yeah. buddy in the Nasroka uh. culture. Uh, they're dedicated to mostly peaceful and scientific uh, exploits. They they just like to explore, and they happen to be wrapped up in this whole intergalactic conflict thing. There's. We're going to do probably, I mean, I don't know. Actually, I think it's losing the vote, but we the, the idea has been put out there that we might do a morality tier list of these things. Mm -hmm. Just so mm -hmm. everyone knows, Nasroka will be at the top of that, of, of, of the, the most moral. Side? Yeah, this is the really? goodest. This is the goodest. I'll get that out of the way right now. What? No yeah. way. How Absolutely. can they be the goodest? Because literally their entire society is based around friendship. Okay, <gasps> it's like Kirby Superstar where you just get to kiss each other and that's all that anybody Aww. cares about is that we got that's... to help each other out. That's been your Aww. lore dump. That's all I have to say about this. There's there's actual text, but I, it's just like it doesn't matter because they're so perfect and cute and wonderful well, and I love them. 
I was going to add something to the lore conversation, actually, real quick. Because did you know that there's actually, like, a canonical voice for the Grumble Buddies? Yeah, oh, that's um, right. Did you know that that's been released? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, so they sound, it's kind of crazy. They kind of sound, like, a little bit like this. They're like... That's what they sound like. Yeah, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Here, wait, wait, it's weird because take, there's a lot take. of instances no, 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 come on, of no, no, them no, no. saying one, full English sentences. So you can, more take, can you give me take. that? Here, wait, wait, wait. Let's, give me this line. Give me a line read if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, give, uh, yeah, yeah. So give, give me, me I thought you disabled the laser traps. Very good. Very good. We are <laughs> professional and this is a good show. Here, wait, one more, one more. Give, oh, give, sure. me, give me one more. Give me, give me a punchier line. Yeah, yeah. All right. Less text. Less text than that. You want less text than six words? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, give, me okay. like, give me like, uh, uh, boingo. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Got it. This is Got it in one. This is an insufferable bit. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Okay. We're not a comedy show. It's not supposed to be fun. I made it too fun there, and I just really want to apologize. Okay. Thank you. Thank I'm you for the really apology. sorry. Yeah, yeah. I need sorry, to take everyone. this more seriously. Listen, yeah. hey, no, I'm just going to. Okay, I'm yeah, good. I, yeah. I got this. Okay, yeah. I will stay on. From now on, I'll I'll stay focused. I promise. Yeah. I'm gonna get you back on track because let's get into this faction and let's start with their start, their starting units and their starting technology. Hunter, did you know? Did you know that they start with two carriers, one destroyer, two fighters, a mech, and three infantry, as well as obviously a space dock. That's two C four I souped up plus time because of the mech, eh? No, no, that's that actually unlocks our secret favorite thing of all time, which is 2C3I plus 1M, <laughs> which was actually something originally when we were starting the show, uh-huh. uh, you proposed the whole 2C4I thing, and I was like, shouldn't it be 2C3I plus 1M? <laughs> and you said, what is that? And I was like, oh, I think that's later in the show, actually, because I experience time differently right. than you. Yeah, they also start uh, with the green tech psychoarchaeology and the red tech AI development algorithm, both of which are the, like, tech skip text right so yes. this is the tech skippy kind of when you want to be faction i guess mm-hmm. yeah when you want to skip around psycho archaeology is obviously going to allow you to uh kind of have a lot of versatility as far yeah. as like what text may be available to you there's there's four tech skips out there on the board mm-hmm. at least in the exploration deck uh, there's probably more you probably start with some in your slice so that's pretty cool ai development algorithm means you're always going to be pretty decent at grabbing them snappy unit upgrades yeah you've got uh two planets at home which is not our favorite but not the worst uh it's nazir which is a two resource one influence and roca which is a one influence two re uh one resource two influence so two one one two uh which is annoying there's no three resources there in the home system well yeah yeah so you only have three resources split between two planets so it's like you know silly way yeah um and then you do technically have three influence but it's also split between the two planets so i i think this is like dane you know kind of trying to counterbalance a little bit kind of saying like this is a really good faction so let's give them kind of the crummiest home system that we can come up with. Yeah. Um, but it's okay. Don't worry about it too much. We'll talk about it again when we get to problems. But overall, we are we are pretty good. All the cats in the game are good. And they're yeah. still not really a dog. But <laughs> those cats are just everybody's favorite. I feel like you've been proven false about the dog thing multiple no, times. And you just it, you I stand it. by it. I have it. <laughs> just because there's one piece of art that looks like a dog... 
does not mean that there is a representative dog faction. You need a faction with the agent named Woofers, McScruffins, and now it's a dog faction. Absolutely. And there need to be more dog factions than cat factions. McGruff the detective dog, the faction. Uh, Minimum three dog factions, (laughs) please. Give me. Uh, We've got our faction abilities. The first is Distant Suns, which is when you explore a planet that contains one of your mechs. You may draw one additional card, choose one to resolve, and discard the rest. So they get a little bit of, not bonus exploration yet, but they get to also cycle that exploration to make sure it's something decent. Yes, Um, and there's a very particular note here uh, that I think kind of unravels the entire game. Uh, So people are wondering in the errata uh, for the game, when exactly do you declare or decide that you're doing distant suns um and we have a question here that was asked to the faq for the nasroga's distant sun abilities do you decide to draw the extra exploration card before you draw the first card or after and the answer was before Mm -hmm. the initial exploration card is drawn and i just want to say for the record i hate this um (laughs) this is not good i don't i'm i'm going completely rogue here against the entire council Uh um the idea of a player declaring, I am using my distant sun's sure. ability before they draw a card is, yes, I get the intent here because it's 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 trying to get rid of a little bit of angle shooting that you could do, uh-huh. right? If you had a mech on the the two different ones or, or if it actually could just be if you have one mech in a system and you do distant suns and you draw the first card and you're like oh i don't even want to draw another because maybe you're trying to keep good stuff in the deck you don't want to draw two fragments you just want to draw the one but you want to make sure you're getting a fragment right right something like that uh i think that it's just not worth that this is just the type of rules resolution that i feel like is just going to cause conflict Uh instead of it actually being good i actually saw someone there was someone on the i don't remember when this came up there's someone on the discord talking about this problem as like a cheating example type issue um the thing is let's just chill on this one can i just (laughs) propose that can we just chill on this one maybe nasroka just kind of gets to do a little bit of angle shooting with distant suns and that that actually might be a cleaner solution (laughs) as opposed to this one where we're asking nasroka to say i guess out loud Uh i am using distant suns now i will say on on tabletop playground there is actually a special button or distant suns specifically if there's explore and then there's explore with distant suns so there you go i mean that that's a little bit better a little more distinct (laughs) for me but in a real life game i don't know y'all the way i would chill about this is just like don't ever be weird about the like they if there's if the mech is there they're drawing two cards whatever just just draw two cards and don't be weird about the alternative where it's like you didn't declare it so now you don't get to draw two cards Here's the thing, though. As Nasroka, there are times where you get weird with the deck. Okay, we'll talk about it whenever we I get don't into mind the it. I don't mind the cards getting burned a little bit. But I understand it's annoying when, like, fragments are just going to sit in the trash can for a while until they get recycled back into the deck. Of course, yeah. Or or, or maybe there's just something... You're, you're just trying to make the most of your abilities. Yeah. I just feel like when we tell somebody, hey, um, you need to be on the specifics of something so that you don't angle shoot accidentally... Um, if it's something that is just them interacting with the game systems, that's hard to enforce. And it might be, in my opinion, a little too hard to enforce. This doesn't involve another player, yeah. is my point. Sure. But I feel like 
the whole distant suns whether someone has decided exactly to do it or not is i don't know that's kind of a weird one <laughs> uh, their second ability is fabrication which is as an action either purge two of your relic fragments of the same type to gain one relic which is notably one less than the three you normally have to do to gain one relic or purge one of your relic fragments to gain one command token that's two massive abilities it just all baked yep. together into one yep. big super ability yeah slap together it's quite cool um we will this this one's gonna cast a long shadow on the rest of this episode um <laughs> i do have a little bit of errata in the faq that has to do with this ability what do you do if there's no command tokens in reinforcements and this might sound like a silly edge case to bring up here and it kind of is but we are going to be swimming in tokens yeah you'll see um, so this might actually happen to you. So the question is, can you purge a relic fragment to gain a command token if you have no command tokens in your reinforcements? The answer is yes. You can purge the fragment and not gain a command token if there are none in reinforcements. So the worst case Why? scenario for this ability is it is still a stall. We are apparently a game that prizes the stall above <laughs> all else. I mean, who could oh my give, gosh. give me my stalls or give me death, I say. Yeah. I love components designed around the idea that we won't play the game at all. We'll just yes. do that. We'll just yes. do nothing always yeah. and forever. <laughs> Better make if sure that's are... legal. Better make sure it's legal to do nothing. Yeah. Uh, but you have to declare it when. You have to declare need... when you do the thing that I'm going to do nothing. Thank and, you. and we just Good found day. out if you if you listened to last week's episode or watched our gameplay uh, on YouTube of Twilight Imperium First Edition, uh -huh. that stalling yeah. has been a central pillar to the design philosophy of Twilight Imperium from its inception. So in that way, <laughs> is it not? I, I ask you, Matt, what is Twilight Imperium yeah. without doing nothing to for things to take longer? It's amazing we don't lean into it harder. Fifth edition should be called Twilight Stalperium, and I won't have it another <laughs> way. Uh, so we've got uh, three commodities, so a little bit tradable stuff. You know, not, not four, but not two. And we have a wonderful little promissory note known as Black Market Forgery. If you're playing online, you will see people refer to BMF often. Don't let that get... Uh, confused with uh, BAM or whatever. I don't know why. I, I see confusion with black market forgery. Anyways, here's what it does. It's a thing you give to somebody else, and then they can take the action, purge two of your relic fragments of the same type to gain one relic, then return this card to the Nas yeah. player. This, uh, I, I want to note, this has one special bonus benefit to it that's really edge case and stupid, and is another thing that just, like, shouldn't exist in the game. But notably, uh, the white unknown relic fragments... Um, they do not have the same text as a normal relic fragment. So mm -hmm. in order to have access to the ability to purge three relic fragments uh, to then gain one relic, you have to have a red, green, or blue relic fragment. If you have all three white relic fragments, those cannot become a relic because none of them contain the text action purge three relic fragments to gain a relic. Uh, Black Market Forgery, though, is a new component with the action on it so you can use black market forgery to purge two white relic fragments of the same type mm -hmm. to gain mm -hmm. one relic yeah yeah so you are getting the action there um i'm glad we've got it all specifically worded out here good we've job, decided everybody. to get we really nasty in the weeds today okay the theme of this episode is just how how pedantic can we get well with this and that's that's the thing is i feel like the component overview episode i sometimes struggle like what 
you know, what is there in here for the weirdos? And right. I'm trying to bring in, yeah. like, let's get the weirdo stuff in right here right instead of kind of giving you the whole guide as we go over the components, because yeah. I don't like that as much. Sure. Uh, okay, we've got Fantastic Mechs. On top of being uh, the Exploration Faction, we are also, it turns out, the Mech Faction, which uh, those are like the two main things added uh, in POK. There's basically those mm -hmm. two things and leaders. Not that there's really a leader faction. I mean, you could argue, I guess, that Nomad is an agent faction. But regardless, it's pretty wild that one faction in the expansion is like, we have all the stuff that's new. We're the ones with all the new stuff just in our single faction. I think that's crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah so that's kind of crazy. So the Nosmoka mech is the Eidolon, which is if... Well, let me read the text last, actually, on this one. <laughs> so it's a ground force, right? Like normal mechs are. Okay, uh, this card begins the game with this side face up so it's th th that's the whole thing they have sustained damage they cost two they roll on a six but they roll two dice which is twice as many dice as yeah. all of the other mechs in the mm -hmm. board game and if this unit is in the space area of the active system at the start of a space combat you flip this card and when you flip this card on the back it has the z grav eidolon which is no longer you lose sustained damage it costs two and it hits on an eight with two dice so it loses a little bit of its combat value uh, and the text says like a similar thing if this unit is in the space area of the active system it is also a ship so this counts as a ship that's going to be very important later and at the end of a space battle in the active system flip this card so there's basically just times at which you turn this into uh it, it is on the ground or it is in the space operating as a ship uh and it hits a little bit better on the ground than it does in the sky and in the sky it counts as a ship which means it can count as taking damage but it no longer has to sustain damage so it cannot just soak empty damage it does have you would have to lose the mech in order to to soak that hit right yeah yeah it's a very interesting unit um i would say it's one of the best units in the game maybe second to a war sun that you got for free. Right. <laughs> um, it's very, very good. It rivals, I would say, most of the really good flagships for, like, utility, especially if you kind of throw in distant suns that we've already covered as an ability. Your your mechs are pivotal to your advantage, and we will be referring back to them many times over the course of this episode. Yeah, the, the ground game just gets ridiculous with them. Uh, we have an also, I would say, pretty wonderful flagship called the Vizelvir, and this is uh, eight cost, two on a nine, so not good combat value by itself. Uh, one move, notably four capacity for some reason, not three, yeah. like all the other flagships. They get well, one. Well, so you can load all four, all mechs. four mechs. That's why. Because yeah. the ability is your mechs in this system roll one additional die during combat, that's not space combat, that's not ground combat, that's any combat, that's all, that's combat. all combat. You yeah. roll three dice now per mech. This would be an amazing ability if it just was giving us the ability to roll twice, but our mechs are already way better, and now we've improved that by even larger odds. Like, we've improved that even 50% more, or whatever you, however you call that. Yeah, in one of my first games of Prophecy of Kings, um, I, my, I was playing as Titans, my home system was invaded by uh, T.G. Welch, uh, who was playing as Nasroka and used this flagship on me. And it was just so much dice to roll. that, And I thought I had planned for it. Uh -huh. That's how bad it was. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot of dice, but, you know, come on. I, I, I think I got it. I'm the Titans. You know, I'm beefy. I'm strong. I'm good on the, you know, I got, I got Hell Titans. They can soak damage. Um, no, 
didn't did not withstand the onslaught uh, the amount of swinging when you roll more dice way more unlikely outcomes are yeah, possible right uh in a positive direction that is <laughs> well it's especially in like the ground the, game when it's on a six that's a 50 yes. percent chance like those dice are gonna hit i'm sorry yeah but it's that's three that's, that's, that's they're basically odds. war sons at that point they yeah. basically become little war sons it's very annoying and yeah. and they're even better than war sons because you're stacking all of them it's right. insane right uh, okay, we've got some leaders here, and one thing I didn't talk about in the lore that I probably, I, I kind of meant to, but, uh, the best thing about the Nazaroka is, again, they're best friends, so the back of the agent card, uh, is Garvin Gunn, they're plucky archaeologists, the theming is already on point here, they're plucky, yep. are you kidding me, what a wonderful, yeah. this, this game needs more of this kind of theme, of like, mm -hmm. uh, it's not some empire, it's just like, we're the crazy, you know, vagabonds out here, uh, I thought you dispelled the laser traps, Garv yelped, as the, uh, the corridor filled with searing light gun waved one hand from inside the open panel no that was the blade barrier just throw something at the kill switch and see if that works this uh is why we need more twilight imperium novels there's one novel with a set of a, a, a nas and aroka in it and it's the best part of any of the novels like hands mm -hmm. down and is mm -hmm. further evidence that there just needs to be like a heist movie Metal Gear Solid style, like buddy cop, all of these genres get to bend together. Like this is our comedy duo faction. So I don't yeah. know why we even have other factions in the game when this is the only faction I want to hear stories about. Anyways, well, let me throw out this. Let me let me pitch you this. Indiana Jones. Yes, but it's Garvin Gun. Right. There you that go. is essentially Done. what the second uh, novel sort of oh, is. Only cool. you know, uh, there's 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 side stuff to it as well. But let's let's talk about what Garvin Gun, the plucky archaeologists, actually do. At the end of a player's turn, which is always really awkward timing. To be clear, that's not mm -hmm. my favorite timing window in the game. You may exhaust this card to allow uh, that player, the player whose turn just ended, to explore one of their planets. Yeah. So this is good. Obviously, uh, it does combo with distant suns right. when you use it on yourself. Um, so yeah, and that is mostly how we will talk about using it for the purpose of this strategy guide. Yep, our commander is Dart and Ty. They are the adrenaline junkies. And after you can gain control of a planet that was controlled by another player, you may explore that planet. So normally, exploration is a round one, taking neutral planets kind mm -hmm. of thing. This mm -hmm. is the only ability in the game that lets you gain control of an enemy planet and explore it. Yep. Yeah, the timing window is very favorable. Also, again, is going to stack with Distant Suns. We got a nice little suite here yeah. of our abilities playing off of each other in ways that uh, I really like. The yeah. flagship connects to the mechs. Uh, the the mechs plus distant suns connects to literally everything. Yeah, this even connects to our uh, one of our faction techs we haven't talked about yet, uh, but it is sort of the only reason one of our faction techs is maybe viable. But first, before we get into faction techs, let's also talk about our hero, which is Hesh and Prit. The Architect Savants, it is the ability Perfect Synthesis, where you may forge a legend. The action is gain one relic, and I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted here because the art on the board has a little, has a little nods, and he's yawning, and he's stretching his arms Aww, out, he's going, it's so good, like a little baby, like a little baby. What was I talking about? Oh, uh, yeah, okay. I, just, I wish Twilight Imperium was more cute. Yeah. It should be cute more. Yeah. Uh, okay, as an action, gain one relic and perform the secondary ability of up to two readied, that means unplayed, 
or yeah. unchosen strategy cards. During this action, spend command tokens from your reinforcements instead of your strategy pool. That basically really only pertains to construction. It's essentially saying you don't need to pull a, a command token uh, from your sheet, but you do still have to place a command token to drop a space dock or a PDS if that's the ability you choose to do. Then purge this card. Yeah. Um, also, we have some errata here for this component. Um, it connects to kind of some of the errata that we had before. This was in the covered in the FAQ, but it was more concern about tokens. Uh, the question is, can the Nazaroka hero, Hesh and Prit, be used when the player has no tokens and reinforcements? A lot of people worried about when you run out of tokens. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the answer is the LRR will be updated <laughs> to be more general. Someday it will. It's been two years. <laughs> uh, it will be updated to be more general towards taking off sheet if none are in reinforcements. That is taking off command tokens um, if you have none in reinforcements. Uh, this change should cover other... Uh, requirements in this regard as well. Does that answer um, the question at all, or does that just say we'll have an was answer the later? the answer that was given. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's basically the answer is there will be an answer. Um, <laughs> I believe what it means I think is it pertains that, to the other ruling as well, which is essentially you can still do things, you just don't use like the tokens, basically. Yeah, but so I think I think the unanswered part is let's say you use uh, the hero to do the secondary of construction, uh -huh. and you have no tokens and reinforcements. Yeah, where does that come from? What happens? Yeah. And what I'm calling attention to everyone right now is that we don't know. <laughs> so can I get can I get a milty please in here? This is my way of doing that. Let's do a quick I, rules quiz, uh, just so that we can get a rules declaration. Maybe uh, I do think yeah. I think what the actual uh, eventual ruling is is that you would pull from somewhere else on your sheet. Like you, you then are forced uh, to pull. Uh, okay, I get what you're say saying. Anything. I get. I get no, what I you're. Know. But uh, nah. here's the thing: is I went. I that's the whole thing. Is I've been going through those now before we start doing these episodes, and we didn't. And, and there, don't have what it. I'm saying, what I'm doing <laughs> is I'm look. I'm I'm being a third party here. I know. I, I, don't, I don't participate in these conversations. <laughs> I don't care. I went through it, yep. and we haven't done. We haven't finished our work. Okay, <laughs> we got to solve for X. All right, spades. Spades, where are you? <laughs> okay, let's talk about our faction tech. We've got Supercharge, which is my most uh, annoying, the, the most annoying kind of faction tech, which is it's a one red prerequisite, and yep. we are a faction that starts with a red tech. Yep, yep, why, yep. Why? <laughs> why, do, why do you do that? Okay. Well, just because. Just it, yeah, sure. It's our way of saying it's a we don't tech. have to do anything. Sure, you know, we don't have to do, do anything, it. but we can get a second red tech out of it. Yep. Supercharge. Yep. At the start of a combat round, you may exhaust this card to apply plus one to the result of each of your unit's combat rolls during this combat round. This is hilarious because the other space cat, the Hakan, has a flagship that has essentially this same ability, except for it costs a trade good. Yeah. And uh, this, and then we bring in Nazaroka and we're like, what if it was just better than that? Like, just straight up and down. What if it was better than the worst flagship in the game? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, it uh, does combo with other aspects of the faction. Uh, we've got the flagship. This combos with well. I mean, plus one means the more dice we're rolling, the more benefit yep. we get out of supercharge. You do have to exhaust it. Um, so it's basically morale once boost. Once around, yeah. Once around. Um, 
it is largely uninteresting and won't really be talked about very much going forward. Yeah. Uh, the second is a green tech that requires three green. So we're in that X89 territory. Uh, of it's, it's a late game green tech. Mm-hmm. Prefab Arcologies is after you explore a planet, ready that planet. So obviously this is a late game tech because if this was an early game tech, boy, howdy, Nasroko would come out punching. But uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a later thing. But like we said earlier, we have that commander that allows us to continue exploring new planets we've acquired uh, into the late game. But you don't even have to use it that way because you've also got your agent that you explore. Like you sort of explore at all sorts of moments. So you just have this thing where you can refresh your planets kind of all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and all, all you have to do is go all the way down green, um, and then, yes, you will get to ready one planet each round off your agent, unless you want to just dig into your neighbor, because yeah. that's something that always pays off and is never uh, I will issue. know. This one's not exhausted. So if there's, like, I mean, the, the, the prefab arcologies uh, stands out there try to think about this as things where it's, like, you find ways to do it quite often. You know, you're scan linking, you're using your agent, you, whatever, all these things. There's lots of instances where you can re-spend really good planets kind of over and over and over again. Uh, so, sure. economically, yeah. it could make sense, but, yeah, to Hunter's point, uh, it's stage three green tech. <laughs> yeah, and it is, to me, definition Christmas land, in that I can be negative about it on this podcast and get a lot of flack uh-huh. from people if they want, if you want to. I'm opening myself up to flack uh-huh. if you want to give it to me. But my argument is just that you will have to qualify the situations where this is useful. And I don't disagree that those situations don't exist. Like, for example, you know, if you have the Tomb of Infidia, yeah. that's another planet that you're exploring. Oh, all of a sudden we're getting to, you probably got biostims on the way. Biostims would let you refresh a planet if it's a tech skip, tech skip. planet. Yep. Neat. Now suddenly maybe we're, and, and maybe even you have just one singular planet yeah. with like all of the attachments on right. it. Big, so super big lore, right? <laughs> super big lore you've got going. I, I, you know, I recognize that those exist. But overall, I think, again, this is unnecessary and, and not very important. Uh, it might come up a little more uh, whenever we get to talking about ex- exploration in general. It's yeah. better than supercharge. Supercharge is almost nothing. Right. But this is definitely something. It's just kind of specific. It's kind of like um, it's like integrated economy where it's like, yes, this is cool and good. Right. But we have to I, we have to tell ourselves a little story to make it work, don't we? We just got to tell. We got to spin a little yarn, a little bit of a tale. We tell ourselves a lot of detail, a lot of specific situations. And uh, hard for me to sign on yeah. to your story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've overviewed. Do we want to overview, based on all this, what we see the problems are? And then we can take a, yeah. a quick little break before we sort of then hash everything else out. Yeah, um, I think I feel like I've already kind of stepped on the first problem, which is that I don't like the faction tech, and I think the faction tech are kind of bad. Um, it's a minor problem. Mm-hmm. Not very important that we focus on the faction tech, to be honest. Uh, right. we, we got a great little kit even without them. It's almost like Dane designed the POK factions, looking at zooming out a little bit, mm-hmm. and being like, well, they should maybe all be able to work without the faction tech, as opposed to kind of the older stuff is more like you have factions where it's like, if they don't have this faction tech then it no good. Yeah. One thing that I think is really weird about playing as Nasroka is that you're really RNG dependent. What do I mean by that? Random number generator. What do I mean by that? I just mean 
we're kind of gambling. We're yeah. kind of playing like a weird game of flipping over cards and being like, is that a good one or is that not? And we do it a lot. We do it way more than yeah. any other faction. <laughs> we kind of look at the game. It's, we look at the seventh player and we're like, all right, deal me in. And we just keep yeah. flopping every yeah. time. We just want to see how many cards turn. So even if you play a perfect game and you do everything right as Nazroka, you might just have a lot of bad luck like right. a like a large number of things can just go wrong and you you get you try and mill the deck uh for relics and none of the good ones come out you just yeah. get stellar converter and you're just kind of like ah well i might not win then my yeah. advantages might not be yielding me something great right on the flip side sometimes when you win is nasroka it can feel kind of like huh did I win that? Yeah, or yeah. <laughs> did I just did the game just kind of let me win? I don't know. What you're describing is worst case scenario, you are a faction with really good combat advan advantages and probably a pretty decent economy and you just didn't like luck out in points. But the whole point is it's a faction that has the opportunity to luck into way more points than yeah. most other factions are able to luck into. <laughs> yeah. The good case scenario, like your your good case scenario ceiling is like the highest in the game. Yeah. As far as how well, like there are there are games that have happened of, with Nasroka, and it will continue to happen forever as long as the game is set up the way it currently is. Yeah. Uh, where you sit down and this, then the game looks at you and smiles, <laughs> and just kind of deals you a perfect hand and just right. won't stop. Yeah. And then there's like outside of eliminating you, there's not a whole lot the other players can do about that, especially if it starts really early in a yeah. very specific advantageous way so that's that's pretty weird yeah um and and i think it can create a weird feeling even when things are going uh great i mean it's awesome like it's definitely <laughs> like fun it's fun to flip over cards and be like oh my god this is yeah. exactly what i needed or or the brutality of i just flipped over eight cards and none of them are good and it's yeah. just i feel bad um, now I, I have to get normal bonus points like every other faction in the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I have to play the regular game. Boo-hoo. <laughs> I don't want to. Um, I think that Nasroka is a very good faction, but I think it does require kind of a high level of knowledge when it comes to the exploration decks in general. And it's knowledge that I can imagine a player not quite having. Um, if especially if there's not that many factions that are actually good at exploration, yeah. Uh, Titans starts with Scanlink. That's the only reason and, they're a part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah, and now we're done, and we've covered it. <laughs> they're all covered now. So luckily, th there happens to be this podcast called Space Cats Peace Turtles, where these two idiots <laughs> talk about this game a lot. And I really want to recommend that you go back and listen to the guide to exploration yeah. episode because guess what that episode is really just a companion guide to nasroka yeah because no one interacts with this system like you do if anything it, this is we kind of need another faction that does yeah, like it would do. be cool if we did well uh in fact have that again that's my issue with dane lumping both all the mech stuff and the exploration stuff into this one faction when it's like we could have had two mech factions and and two or three exploration you know leaning fact yeah. we didn't need yeah. a faction that goes this hard on exploration we needed three factions that all dance around in the exploration space yeah yeah, so it's it's a good faction, but it's a little bit, you know, we're we're basically kind of in a casino playing 
uh, poker. Mm -hmm. I think to fully understand that poker, you kind of got to know a lot. And then the last problem that I see, and a lot of the problems I laid out, these are not like major issues. This is a good faction, okay? Um, This is, you can get past this pretty easily and have a great time as (laughs) Nasroka. Our last one is a boring regular style problem, which is that our space dock at home has bad production. Uh, It is going to be sitting on that uh, two resource planet. I mean, I guess you could put it on the other one, but uh, no, don't. Come on, please. <laughs> please don't do that. Um, so we got bad production at home, which is kind of a bummer because we want to get all our mechs out really yeah. fast. Um, and having bad production is just never fun or yeah. cool to right. do. Um, so that one you kind of have to figure out, and it's going to be kind of the old the old faithful ways of dealing with that. You get a forward dock, you double dock your home, or you get sling relay, and uh, you just kind of hope, or maybe you get freelancers a whole bunch out of the cultural deck. Yeah. There's a lot we can talk about as far as fixing that problem. So it's kind of boring. It's the last one I'm going to mention. But yeah, sure. That's that's what I got as far as problems for Nazaroka. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll talk about all of the many, many wonderful things about playing this faction outside of the adorable little goblins that sit on their their backs. Hi, welcome back. I hope you have strapped a little baby to your back now. Uh, It's the only way you can listen to the rest of this episode, so stop now if you do not have some sort of baby attached to your back. Uh, You two have to listen to this in concert with each other. You have to be in synchronicity, and uh, once you've done that, I'm giving you ample time to to go grab the nearest baby and strap it to yourself. Okay? Are you done yet? Okay, great. Go do it. Let's talk about how good this faction is, please. Yeah. Yeah, so this is kind of our overview of where we're going with the rest of this episode. What are our strengths? What are we going to emphasize in order uh, to win? Because it's all about winning the game. Yeah. You know, it's not about just playing and have a good, give, have a good time. You That's know, what the RPG is for now. Yeah. Now we, yeah, get to, RPG... we get to distinctly split that into two camps. Yep. Okay. Yep. The RPG is for fun that we don't yep. pertain to. We don't do that here. And then yeah. this is for the other stuff. This is for the winning and for the being a genius and for being the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Okay. So strengths. Obviously, exploration. We're very good at it. A good Nazaroka game should consist of a lot of simple, small deals and exploration that's yielding us just a little bit of an advantage when it comes to economy stuff. Yeah. Don't try and like we're not we're not Hakan. We're just like getting a little cookie like every right. couple actions or so we get a little cookie oh okay uh black market forgery i give it to you for a dollar Ooh, that's a little cookie oh yeah. i flip over um core mining on a hazard explorer Ooh, that's a little cookie we just keep getting little cookies right. until we have a giant cookie bank and then okay? you cash a bunch of those cookies in for the mega stuff like the actual exactly. you, you you just lean into these little cookies and then all of a sudden you're like oh yeah sorry these six cookies over here when they combine they create megazord and i get to yeah. win the game <laughs> yeah so yeah that's a, that's a very important part of this aspect is assemble the relic fragments take them have them in a giant bag uh and just keep them just have them mm-hmm. uh d- you gotta spend them at the right time only spend them if you have to, uh, basically. Only turn them in for, for relics if it seems pertinent. If it yep. seems like it's something you need to do right now. Only se- uh, spend them for command tokens if it's going to help you do something like get a point or something like that. Mostly, it's about early, mid-game. We are just trying to get all the fragments in our player area. We'd like to have, I don't know, nine, I don't yeah. know, 10, 11 of them. would be amazing. Um, secondly, our mechs. 
one of the greatest in the game. Uh, will likely make the uh, upcoming mech tournament YouTube video uh, basically pointless, right? Uh, and because they are just like kind of a lock to win, and They're I can't so believe I even thought the best one. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I even thought to okay, talk about the, doing a mech in tournament that, video. In that video, the Nazareth mechs have to fight in the sky. Okay, there. Yeah, the, and then uh, maybe uh, they'll eh. still win. <laughs> eh, yeah, then they're still gonna win. Um, the leader suite augments our kit very nicely. Our hero giving us like some really good kind of late game maneuverability. There's a lot of edge cases where that hero can kind of kick in in a way as to be like, oh, we're actually still very much in this game. Yeah. Um, like, think about it like this. Uh, here's here's like a, a very specific case where the hero is going to come in great. Uh, let's say that everyone needs one more unit upgrade for have three unit upgrades. Yep. And so no one takes tech. Well, what do you care? You don't need that right. at all. Like, right. in fact... In most cases where something like that were to happen, I guess as long as the table remembers that you have this, uh, then, well, you're just going to keep having access to it, yep. uh, basically. Uh, it really changes that stage two situation sometimes, yeah. yeah. The best friend in there, too, is that Diplo strategy card, because it's the one instance where it's like, you can do kind of any number of the other things, and like, I mean, how many of the strategy cards are spent, you know, spend four bucks for some tech yep. or build yep. in your home system? And you can Diplo on the front or back end of that. You can have the money, spend it on warfare, and then Diplo your money right back into your hands. Or I spent my money on all my tokens, but I can Diplo and then still build it home or whatever. It's like yep. it makes yep. your whole final round scenario. If you don't have other like Hunter's description of just like, I have to get this critical component. I need a new secret objective. I need tech outside of even that economically. It's just a great thing. Like it's just a wonderful mm -hmm. chance to put plastic on the board or get more tech that you need or whatever. Yeah, one thing about that hero, too, is you have to decide what order you want to do the secondaries in. Um, so make sure that you do it in a sensible way. Like, yeah. if you're planning on drawing a secret off of that hero, that's probably the first one you want right. to do right. before you do your second one. You know, you end up drawing Unveil Flagship, and then so your second uh, secondary to follow home. is Warfare. <laughs> so now I have my flagship so that yeah. I can do it. Um, those are really easy examples. There's really not easy examples that, trust me, if you play Nazroka, you will find. Yeah. So in yeah. that way, I think the hero is quite good. The reason one of the most notable players I can think of that's one with Nazroka and is good with Nazroka is Mantis. <laughs> because Mantis can do the math like, oh, if I do the secondary of uh, politics, mm -hmm. I have this X chance to draw these two action cards and those two action cards can improve my game in this way. And that will do like you get to just do those sorts of maneuvers where it's like, I just need things to work out for me. And I have about a million tools at my disposal to push the odds on making those things happen. Yeah, dig into the numbers. Um, that's going to be the theme today. Think about all the little probabilities. Um, so that's kind of our zoomed out overall where we're going type thing. But let's get in to the nitty gritty. Uh, we need to talk about the best segment of every strategy guide which of course is tech yeah. um so it's actually the okay. best one today though it's actually the good one and the cool it's one. all right it's, it's cool not, i mean i feel like it's it's never it's never that cool Here's, i always find this is the part where it could be more interesting i wish let's you know? emphasize one factor then hunter you have recommendations in this tech section but the thing people should remember is like we said earlier you start with psycho arc and ai development algorithm you can kind of do whatever you want and you will almost never be punished for it i think that's like the big takeaway about nazroka is if you want to play your game there's very little things like in other faction guides we talk about this section as if like a well there's literally not time to achieve these other things that you're talking yeah. about but like given the right tech skips 
I mean, Nasroka can get literally whatever tech they want because it's kind of all in range because they start with Psycho Arc in AI dev. Like, so, you know, the focus of this is what you feel truly works best when the whole platter is in front of you, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could go any direction. Like, for example, blue tech <laughs> would be in a direction that you could go. Um, so it's just really kind of opened up, you know? Like, it's like it's a wide open... No, really... Like, to, to couch that a little bit, I would say that Nasroka, you know, depending on how your slice works out and depending on maybe what tech skips you find, you can get some really interesting supplemental tech that a normal faction would just not really even mess with. Right. Um, and that, I think, is their real strength when it comes to technology. But first, we really got to talk about Cruiser 2. Yes. Um, which actually, you know, as a tech, I don't, I don't normally like Cruiser 2 in most of my games. I think Nasroka definitely has room for Cruiser 2. Um, and let's let's kind of couple this point with talking about a situation like, what if we have no skips at all, none, yeah. nada? Like, what what do we do in a vacuum without wind resistance? Well, I have a little flow chart here. Uh, first, can we grab custodians or maybe like a distant control objectives? We do not start with a cruiser at home. Yeah. We will have to follow warfare and we'll have to follow tech in order to make this happen. Six bucks um, at least, basically, yeah. is what we're saying. Plus any yeah. extra infantry you need to get. So in that way, it's a little bit tough. But we're not going to talk about that part yet. We're just going to assume you could do all of those things. So what would your tech path look like? Um, so we would grab Cruiser 2. We would then do one of those interesting things I just listed. And honestly, the control objective one, I find, comes up a lot for Nasroka. Yeah. Nasroka very regularly can sort of be like, yeah, you know what? I think I want to snatch this before you can get to it. Um, and that, so I would say that is a very understandable reason to go ahead and pursue Cruiser 2 as mm -hmm. well. Don't think it's just Custodians here. Because also a lot of the time, whenever Custodians is possible round one, it's possible for somebody else as well. So it's kind of yeah. hard to figure, you know, who is exactly going to be the one. And then you got to make this tech commitment into Cruiser 2, right. basically. So what does the path look like? Well, I'm going to say Cruiser 2, and then I'm going to say basic blue i'm gonna yeah. say amd or det depending on if you have any asteroid fields in your slice and then grav drive plus i really like carrier two personally for um nasroka it's good to be able to like have the versatility of the mechs kind of getting wherever they need to go yeah. we're going to talk about positioning later and whenever we get there i'm going to say hey maybe the mechs should be on a couple different planets and maybe different types as well like right. that's useful especially if you're watching the exploration deck like a hawk yeah so if you are in that position well, uh-oh, uh, it's towards the end of the game now. Maybe I don't want my mech spread out everywhere because they're going to come get me, dog. They're going to kill me, <laughs> all right? And when that happens, I feel like Carrier 2 can kind of win, win you some points on the backside of after you've moved that carrier, if that makes yeah. sense. Right. Yeah, I think the Carrier 2 also lends itself to that little bit of bonus HP you sometimes need, right? A standard carrier yeah. could take like all four of your mechs with you to somewhere if you're yeah. gonna do some big i'm definitely taking this planet but i gotta win in the sky and i'm like only taking this carrier maybe uh yeah. loading having the space for two extra fighters is actually quite pivotal because again for the most part nasroka can win a combat in like a round or two whereas most people right. like need the many rounds of lots of my destroyers and fighters and carriers soaking damage and then getting a hit or to here you know nasroka is going to score like four hits in in the first round of combat but sometimes that's not enough and so yeah i think carrier two is like a 
big grab for when you you know you you can't do everything with a one carrier one and destroyers or whatever so i i think the bonus is quite helpful there yeah i agree um and well i agree with myself and you agree with me so that's interesting. <laughs> um so <laughs> the supplemental stuff uh that i feel like we can throw in in a no tech skip uh world uh, i like scan link um we yeah. like exploring a lot and there's gonna be a lot of situations where you kind of just your your finish line gameplay is just kind of like go into the deck, go yeah. into the deck over well, and, and over again. You've got the mechs. That's what makes this so different than other factions too, right? Yeah. Is a normal faction's like, well, I'm gonna scan link, you know, once or twice in a turn, and I'll get what I get. But like Nazrika has that choice of like, well, but I'm gonna scan link a planet I know is useful. And I'm going to look twice and double check yeah. that I get something like you have just insanely good odds at getting what you want. So anytime you get to add explorations to your docket, it's vastly improved from all the other factions that could get Scanlink or start with Scanlink or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, Dread 2 is worth mentioning, as it always is. The thing about Dread 2 and Nazroka, it's like I don't necessarily prefer it. But you might end up doing it anyways, because if you don't really solve your production problem, yeah. then dreads just kind of naturally are where you end up having to go. Right. You know, if I can only build, you know, four things, well, one of them, I guess, probably should be a dread right. because I got this dreads money. are more versatile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like I may as well put my money down on one of those things. Oh, and it's also our way to solve that uh hp problem we talked about we really want our mechs to do like massive amounts of damage in the sky and you know maybe it is just like one or two fighters with our carrier two but then the dread two is even more bonus hp right there that right that fleet alone one carrier two one dread two two fighters and like three mechs that will take on quite a lot of mid game and even end game fleets um, and then, of course, the normal stuff, fleet logistics goes well with the hero and, and also can even go quite well with uh, some sort of weird like cashing in my relic or yeah, my, yeah. my fragments for X thing and then making some sort of move kind of deal. There's a lot of late game stuff that fleet logistics can always do, uh, but we got a couple components that I feel like are going to allow that to be even more true with Nazroka than it would be with other factions. Yeah. Um, Lightwave, you need it. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I don't know. I'm not playing your game. Um, <laughs> Sling Relay actually does fix something for us specifically, uh, that being the production problem. Right. Uh, it's going to help us get, you know, it's, first of all, it's going to help us stall, which is good, and it's going to help us get more uh, gusto out of that single uh, space dock at home situation which mm -hmm. I have been in before. Sometimes sometimes you just have other things you have to do. You can't solve the production problem. It just happens. Right. And then I feel like that's why Sling Relay exists is just for that very reason. Yeah. Um, and then my other thing is what if we can't get custodians or some sort of distant control objective? In that situation, I don't really like Cruiser 2. So, yeah. Uh-oh. I'm I'm, I just said something you liked and now I'm throwing it out and being like, well, and I would say just kind of go with that that path I just laid out there and don't worry about it. So yeah. it's basically cruiser two plus a bl normal blue path, plus maybe some ideas for a scan link being thrown in there or no cruiser two. If uh, custodians is not likely to happen for us um, or, you know, there's no control objectives to speak of in the early game. Yeah. Um, cruiser two is definitely going to be worthwhile to think about later on in the game. It's not going to be a tech you just get early on and then never, Sure. have any use for it but 
it's not so useful that I'm like, oh, it just has to be thrown in. Like, yeah. I don't know. The, the point there is just that it's always accessible to you, unlike how it is for other factions. You know, even with Mahawks, we talked about Cruiser 2 round one, but you have to have the red skip. We have a green tech, we have a red tech, and we have AI dev that skips one, which means we skip the yellow. We can always yeah. get Cruiser 2, and then if we can afford the Cruiser itself, it is such a place of negotiation that you can find yourself in when those control objectives are out, and it, it actually avoids war for you. I can yeah. sneak in right now, get this control objective, and then duck out next round when you want to come take it in the normal pace of the game that you would be taking it anyways. I have actually not hurt you at all. And here, how about a black market forgery on top for, yeah. for well yeah. wishes or whatever? Like, you have so many tools at your disposal to make that uh, a copacetic relationship with the neighbor you seemingly got in front of, but you can quickly get out of the way of. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then from this point on, I'm not going to do other tech paths. Um, we are just going to talk about notable techs in a kind of a la carte type way. I'm just assuming you're going to have some weird situations here with skips, etc. Sure. Um, I don't need to talk about blue anymore. We're done. Let's let's have fun. Let's talk about the other stuff. Um, let's talk about the faction techs again real quick. Let's just kind of sum those up. So supercharge. It's so weird uh, to me that, that, that they have supercharge because yeah. I feel like it's only interesting... In a situation where you're rolling so much dice, like for yeah. example with the mechs and the flagship at the same time, if you're rolling that much dice, I don't think you even need it, right. is the thing. It's right. like it's like a tech that, it's like a by definition win more type technology, yes. because that plus one is not enough to swing a combat that is like right on the edge yeah. reliably. Um, it, but it is enough to take a combat that you were just going to slam dunk anyways and make it a super slam dunk. So I don't know what the value is in that. Yeah, I describe supercharge as a faction tech where you're like, okay, I guess two faction techs isn't necessarily the end of the world. We had a big tech game. It's late game. I'm th it's, it's, it's accessible to me. I can just get it. The prefab is the harder one to deal with in the faction tech secret objective conversation. But like all things else equal like supercharges just sitting there and yeah it can help yep. you protect your home but like hunter said like the best defense for your home is four mechs split between your two planets or or whatever stacked however you need them to be and your flagship parked above it and uh or, or like i don't know sometimes you see even people park the, the mechs in the sky with the flagship you and that. you just win yeah. in the space yeah that's like the more common yeah. thing is rolling on an eight ain't so bad uh and sure supercharge if tech got played in the final round and you got nothing better to get because all you have to do is defend your home system sure. get yeah. it you got the Absolutely. four bucks lying around but it's not actually going to make or break the odds <laughs> of that of that opportunity yeah. yeah it's very it's it's not a very hunter's law tech um let's talk about prefab a little bit more and then let's never speak of it again um so again it's christmas land we, i feel like we've very well established that um, but we've also we've also established that hey scan link is kind of a nice Tech to maybe throw in scanlink kind of goes with prefab that's nice um the problem i think is whenever the christmas land works out for prefab you become an economic powerhouse but you're an economic powerhouse with bad production capacity so yeah. congrats but you have some more work to do yeah <laughs> um now if you get all of that done i'm not saying you're not having a great game you're having a great game it just seems like an awful lot of homework yeah. to do uh for this particular uh tech but there are going to be weird situations where it is correct. Right. There are games that I've seen where people leaned into prefab arcologies. And what I noted about those games is it seemed like the player even struggled to spend the money they had. 
And so yeah. it's like, so did so did you even use it? Like if if you're just getting right. all this money, you treat it like value. But if you if you're having to do everything you can, just it's like, well, I better spend a dread right now with Sling Relay because I, I the money's gonna get refreshed once the next right. thing happens. It's like you add it's like a titans problem right where titans has this mental weight added to it because of all of the things the sequence of your turn a sleeper token and scan link and do this and it like overwhelms you i find that prefab arcologies at the very least especially for like a low and mid-level player prefab arcologies is just too much to think about i get overwhelmed with it when i have it in my hand where it's just like i want to maximize the efficiency of this and it's like okay well that's how you're going to make a lot of actually inefficient plays um tactically not not economically but you might just do things in a bad order that let people take advantage of you right we're also good at tokens already we have an alternate way to to receive tokens via burning the fragments so it's not like the idea of spending a juicy planet for its influence and then re you know re-flipping it to use its resource side i i don't think that's very necessary a majority of the time uh, okay, let's talk about some that that do actually seem uh, interesting. Transit diodes. Uh, this one seems like it would be very handy. We got mechs, so we like that. Yeah. We we spread out our mechs, which is cool. Right. Um, the other thing too is that again, like I said uh, up top of this section, I like scan links. Scan links not it's not bad. It's yeah. not bad to 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 just completely take over that exploration mm-hmm. uh, section. Uh, so if you happen to get scan link and then you have a yellow skip, this is a good little extra supplemental to throw in there. This yeah. would be my ideal. Like if I was going two tech and two colors in the late game, it'd yeah. be like blue yellow always for sure. Um, and so this is your blue yellow is transit diodes is that second one. Um, it, it, it could even be used of like, we spread our mechs out positioning so that we can, uh, you know, mill every deck and then we're going to win now. So let's pull them back yeah, to the home system. Home. Yeah. Yeah. It's convenient yeah. that transit diodes is four ground forces and that's exactly how many of the yep. mechs that we have. <laughs> yeah. That works out. Huh? Um, next I want to talk about is biostems. Uh, for all those people that really like prefab archaeologies, have you heard of biostems? It's pretty good. It's like almost the same thing. Um, if you have a really super like loaded planet with a bunch of, attachments on it and one of those happens to be a tech skip or it just already was a tech skip planet that just kind of got out of control then guess what this is about this is like as good as prefab in my opinion and the other thing is that this one can kind of go in the direction of like helping you fix production if you don't get a good forward dock or double dock the home system now we can do sling twice yeah that's pretty good yeah yeah i mean biostims is certainly lower on the list here especially I know we're not actually making much room here for prefab arcologies being a thing we consider, but biostims is not a tech I necessarily want to go for on my path to prefab. So in the main argument for me going down green for prefab arcologies, a big economic tech, biostims is like actually one of the things that doesn't combo with that especially well. And my main assumption for going for prefab arcologies is when I have a green skip. And if I have a green skip, I also have psychoarchaeologies, which means I could skip right to hyper, which I'm not even trying to say is like wildly better. And there's actually probably more instances where biostims probably relates to some planet in your slice that you can get an even bonus refresh out of. So it's it is mm-hmm. fine, but it's like the whole point is I'm prefabbing a bunch of extra economy too. I don't know. It seems like overkill to me basically that I'm gonna like flip a planet with biostims as well as the prefab stuff. All of that is just to say like as a green plan. I don't like Biostims prefab. I don't like hyper and I don't like prefab. How sure. about just get rid of both and get Biostims <laughs> and just That's do that and saying. be done. Like yeah, just yeah. get just get Biostims because you're probably getting the thing is 
if biostims is attached or if you're if you have a tech skip on a planet that gets you a token anyways yeah well now you're getting uh to like like at least double value on right. that planet that you're having to spend for the token you're not getting two tokens right but you are getting oh i flip it and then i get more well, and the key there, too, is Biosims. Again, we start with a green. It's always accessible, which means we don't have to make any decision until we get that magical planet that's like, me, yep. me, Biostims me. And you're like, oh, right. okay, I got the I got the spare tech. I kind of already got Carrier 2. Biostims it is. Yeah, I just thought about, you know, the thing is, it's like, let's let's not think about skips for a second. Two tech and two color come out early. What sure. do I want? I right. think I'll, I'll, I'll lean into two green, two blue. I won't be happy about it, but Biostims, I think, is that. Right. kind of uh, compromise pick there. It's more accessible if you didn't already get Scanlink. Yeah. Um, I like Duranium as well. Duranium is neat if you can grab it. Um, but I don't think it's really like that worth it for the yeah. mechs because they already hit like trucks. Right. But it would be cool to just kind of lock this down. In, sure. a, in a really weird world where I'm winning and expecting like a lot of combat. Yeah. Um, like a lot of, like everyone is hungry to to hurt me. Uranium might be the thing that that makes it so that no matter how much effort is thrown at me, it's just not going to work out. The mechs are just going to kill yeah. everything too quickly and heal themselves, etc. Right. Notably, uh, it's not going to work in the sky because, again, we do not have that sustained damage in the space yeah. combat. It is it, we're talking about purely for the ground combat game. Um, and so then what the assumption is you know maybe dread like you maybe you have some dreads that Dranium is also going to use on, but it is definitely focusing on the ground stuff, which seems um it seems like overkill to me, uh, except for the next tech, which is assault cannon. And in yeah. a situation where we have a red skip and we can psycho arc, you know, skip red twice. I mean, that's like the best thing that can happen in a game is like psycho arc with with very useful tech skips and like kind of a rich tech game. That's when you really start swimming in the possibilities. And I do understand going Duranium assault cannon on one of those bonus techs that happens. Right. We, right. we had a tech in the agenda phase. Now we're all kind of rich. I can now afford a Duranium Assault Cannon game, and that's going to do me a lot of favors. Yeah, so Assault Cannon to me is is very interesting. Um, we can like very like easily surprise people with an Assault Cannon yeah. because of the mechs. The mechs count as ships at the start of space combat, and guess what? That's when Assault Cannon happens. So right. um, you go to a system with a one carrier and two mechs, <laughs> right. and suddenly we can trigger Assault Cannon. Now... Did your opponents see that coming? Well, maybe they did now that I've said it on this podcast. Sure. And I'm sorry that I just ruined it. But <laughs> maybe I didn't, or maybe it's been a year since this episode came out. People aren't thinking about this anymore. Okay. Just it's say, really you good, remembered. Though. It's really good, though, for those like left of home planets that your neighbor took round one with a, with their starting carrier and that's been the only gum that's been sitting there and we're now in like round yeah. four and we I, I don't know why you have assault cannon in round four but you know what whatever dream with me um that's when you do that strike because you'll instantly win the sky game and then you'll have a bunch of mechs that easily take the ground game like there are definitely situations where the surprise snipes happen because of assault cannon and a, and a carrier that can go the distance yeah, yeah, so true. Um, okay, integrated economy. Um, <laughs> I skipped over it earlier uh, because I just wanted to have a little moment with it. Um, I, I don't want to talk about it, um, I, but I just want to point out, this is it. I just want to annoy you. Just let me annoy you a little bit. So integrated economy happens before mm -hmm. prefab arcologies triggers. Yeah. So what that means is that when you have integrated economy and you take someone else's planet... 
you can't spend the planet you just took on integrated economy. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. Not saying that a bunch of people thought that. Sure. I just wanted to just point only no, that No, Hunter, out. I'm definitely pushing for the deep yellow, deep green. Deep, I, I mean, I've listened green. to this show, and I all understand the way green, that all the way full yellow. stack yeah. green, full stack yellow, that's generally pretty good. And, I and, and you know, these two texts not working well together, that doesn't convince me of anything. I think deep green, deep yellow is actually going to work out really great for me. Yeah, I, I just want to play where blue doesn't exist, okay? <laughs> I just want to play Let's that. Let's do that. Let's do a stream where nobody has blue no tech. Blue. We, we just oh. remove all blue tech and blue see tech what people have to do. Just there's yeah. no blue tech at all, and you figure oh it God. out. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, okay, real quick. Uh, let's talk some unit upgrades that we have not touched on. We're going to be talking about the weird ones, real, uh, except for not infantry two. I'm not going to talk about that anymore. <laughs> we don't even talk about that one anymore. That one's we done. literally forgot it in a recent, like the in the like the tech episode, we did not even address infantry two at all. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't regret up. it. <laughs> yeah, it's we fine. didn't mess up. That's what I'm saying is it's oh, fine. <laughs> yeah, we're correct. Um, so PDS two, that's cool that you can get to it. Um, you can always get to it because you start with AI dev. Which means uh, you, yeah. you got you got it you did it. Um, so it's but it, we're not really a PDS faction. We yeah. don't really care about that so much. We would love to get that one space dock at some point somewhere in a way that works. Um, but what's nice about Nasroka is in that nightmare situation where you do have turn your fleets to dust. Feel like it's nice that you can yeah. at least sort of try to score it some way. Right. Um, so it's worth mentioning uh, that uh, space dock two not worth mentioning very bad and not useful for us yeah you should just get another space dock um produce on mass the uh secret objective that makes it that's like hey can you produce like eight things yeah. in a system if you have space dock two on your home system you still ain't got enough yeah, you have to have a double to do you, you also do, i mean double docking also isn't enough also so i don't do it if it's yeah. a late draw tech hasn't been played and you're no. already double docked then get space dock too. That's literally the only nope. instance when it would make you score that secret objective at nope, the end I'll just of this lose. round. Nope, Matt, come on. <laughs> I'll just lose. I'd rather lose. Space dock two has no place in Nasroka's thing, in my opinion. Space dock two is appropriate in some places for some reasons, but this is not one of them. If you if you are in that situation, Matt just described, do the right thing, just lose the game. Okay. But Nasroka already wins enough games off yeah. drawing a bunch of stuff anyways. Like, at least if you saw that, you'd be like, oh, okay, so the game is saying that I have to lose. That's fine. <laughs> what? Just lose. Who cares? Just just lose and move on. That's that's More people need to think like that. Um, Fighter 2 doesn't feel like something to me we get much out of. Yeah. Um, we're not really hurting for, like, I feel like Cruiser 2 is, like, our fun, weird supplemental tech mm -hmm. that we could use to, like, oh, I'm going to... I'm gonna, you know, park a thing in a weird place. Yeah. Uh, fighter two. I don't know. I just, I, I feel like we don't really have the production to be right. that good with fighter two. Is it um, our best third? No, it's not even our best third unit upgrade. Basically, what you're saying, carrier shoot dread two, and then you might as well just get cruiser two. Basically, in in a yeah. three unit upgrade scenario, you actually would just be better off with some cruiser two action over fighter two. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Cruiser two plus mech is a pretty weird. Like a single cruiser two plus a mech. Yeah. Is kind of a like really. It's awkward, but it's it could be really effective. Yeah. Like you could snipe something really juicy with just those two units. Right. It, it would be a little bit like you're like I'm praying that 
nothing bad happens sure. to me. But again, um, I mean, think about it this way. It's like the Cruiser 2 comes from far away. From downtown, the Cruiser yeah. comes with a mech and the Destroyer joins it and the, the two of them assault can and the thing there. I mean, again, sure, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're living in yeah. a dumb Christmas land. Yeah, but like, now, now we're getting There's here. flexibility is the point. That's that's the yeah. whole theme, again, of all of this is there's flexibility and there's probably a bit more flexibility in Cruiser 2 than there is in Fighter 2. Absolutely. And, and I kind of forgot to bake it into the script, but I will say, of course... Destroyer 2 is kind of a similar situation to uh, PDS2, although probably a little more useful overall, the Destroyer 2, depending on what you're yeah. going up against, right? Um, but if we happen to draw the uh, the fight with precision, Destroyer 2 is going to make it so that we just score that one. You What's know what that? I would say even more, too, is the idea that I would pick Destroyer 2 overall. Again, we always, we always have access to it. We have one red and AI dev at the same time, which means we can always get Destroyer 2. If I've got my movement settled in Carrier 2 and Dreadnought 2, the only thing holding my max back is a little bit too much HP, which is probably fighters. I think sure. I would rather just have destroyers than the movement, Ge generally speaking, in the vacuum. I'd rather just well, have the... Uh, again, it depends on my neighbors, right? If, if yeah, they're not they're fighter different. people, whatever. But I do. I think people should definitely highlight the idea that Destroyer 2 might contribute to that game plan of, I'm trying to win a combat in a single round. So sure. wipe out fighters with Destroyer 2, have the mechs to kill some more stuff, and then we're already done. I barely needed HP to survive. Yeah, I just want to say, though, I do think that it's more... I, I'm trying to highlight that the Cruiser 2 functionality for Nasroka is a little bit exceptional. Sure. If you're in a situation where... Like, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this generally speaking. If you're in a situation where you can't see something interesting to do with Cruiser 2, I don't even think you should get it. Right. Destroyer 2 does have a more latent advantage of just like, well, there probably are fighters for this thing to kill, so yeah. it it is a little more, like in, in a vacuum, Destroyer 2 just ranks higher than Cruiser 2 for me, yeah. generally speaking. But I do, I, I did run into Cruiser 2 situations in my research games. Right. So in that way, I do feel like pretty confident in saying like, there's probably it something out. out there. Like, look at it. Look yeah. at the map. Really figure out. Because, like, it is pretty wild to even send a single cruiser to at a place with a mech and be like, I'm going to take this, and then I'm yeah. not sure you're going to get it back. Well, like, it's that's gone now. The difference here that needs to be noted, and the reason you're basically throwing a cruiser 2 bone for the cruiser 2 fans, is the, the notion, generally, we do not like cruiser 2, because cruiser 2 is one cruiser and one infantry to go try to snipe a planet. Well, that yeah. planet better be empty, or else this is not a conversation we're having. But yeah. we're talking about Nasroka mechs. We're talking about two on a six with sustained damage on the ground, and also we probably clear some extra stuff in the sky. Like, yeah. we can do quite a lot. So, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, um, and the last thing to talk about, of course, is War Sons. Is NRA good for <gasps> War Sons? They, they got skips. They got uh, AI dev. I, I can get there. Should I do it? I got money. I'm, I'm an economic faction. Uh -huh. Um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you want to. I, I, I think that Nasroka doesn't need the heat yeah. of War Sons. Sure. And they happen to have a pretty good flagship. Although I will say, to be fair, flagship's not super good. It's more of a defensive flagship than I feel like it is an offensive flagship. Hmm. Because it is a flagship. Yeah. It's getting two movement. Yeah. What what Unless we've got a flank speed... It's maybe not getting to a really interesting place. And yeah. the other part of this that's kind of an issue is, well, what did we do in the early and mid game? Well, we fanned our mechs out to all different spots. Yeah, they can't go pick so everything we, up. 
yeah, it, it has a difficulty of just everything being in the right place. Now, if you, in, at, you know, at the end of the game decide to rebuild some mechs or move them back to your home system, that to me seems like a more likely scenario yeah. um, of happening, and it's still useful to do, so I like that. Now, so I'm trying to throw a little bit, a bit of a half bone, if you will, yeah. to the idea of Warsun Nasroka because I think they are set up in a way where, yeah, I could see it. I could see it working out. It's yeah. not it's not the craziest thing to me. Yeah, I do think your time is better spent. And to, to the point we sort of didn't necessarily emphasize earlier, but we did say is just that the flagship in an offensive context, if you did, you know, plan it outright and can get there, like we said, those on the ground rolling three dice on a six per thing, like that's basically as good as as War Sun. And yep. not having the flagship and having War Suns instead, like isn't even like I don't need the bombardment basically. So that the big thing for me is Warsun isn't filling any gaps that I think we have. Uh it's just a, something to do with surplus tech, I suppose. Um I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but it goes it goes along better with the Warsun goes along better with a late game pivot to offense. Yeah, yeah. In a way that I feel like the flagship doesn't quite unless you happen to get transit diodes in the right. tech section which would probably be great. Actually, we're still in the tech section, so if you happen to get transit diodes, then yeah, I think the flagship does really shine. But yeah. that, now I'm talking about having both transit diodes uh, and, well, no, I'm talking about having one or yeah. the other. Transit diodes is is good because it, it makes, makes all the flagship other make more better. sense. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. Blue, that's, what, that's what makes blue-yellow so kind of perfect is it gives you the most opportunity to turn your game defensive or offensive no matter what situation you're in. No matter where yeah. you are, blue tech is getting your stuff where it needs to get and a proper yellow tech tree with the with the yellow skip easily getting you to, to transit diodes means you can fold in or you can lash out on a sort of a moment's notice. Yeah, yeah. But that is all... We should say about tech today i think um let's move on to the economy uh it's good for nasroka <laughs> not really good for anybody else right this economy <laughs> um they are not dealing with uh you know any any issues really it's great it's a yeah. good day um i got i got a couple different sections to talk about here let's let's first talk about what are we selling um promissory Sorry, hang on wait one more time <clears throat> what are we selling there you go. Um, it is, you know, Resident Evil 4 is coming out again this year. So it's kind of a good time for this bit to come back. Um, <laughs> well, let's talk about the promissory note, Black Market Forgery. It is easy to sell. Uh, you can just kind of fall asleep at the wheel on this one. Yeah. Uh, people will buy it from you. I always tend to be a little bit of a cheap date when it comes to it. Um, I will just kind of let people, like, I, here's here's kind of the order of operations for me as Nazaroka. If somebody has fragments, ooh, I want those fragments. Yeah. I would like to have those. Um, please, please sell them to me. Um, but if you're not going to, then, well, yeah, I want to cut. Like, yeah, sure, right. go ahead. Take take Black Market Forgery. If, if, if you, let's say someone has two fragments and you decide not to sell them Black Market Forgery because <gasps> they won't pay two or they uh. won't pay three or whatever, <laughs> whatever price it is that you're making up, um, well, then guess what? Then they're going to look for a third fragment. And then now that's another fragment that might be out of your clutches. Right. So you actually get something when BMF is used. Yeah. In that more fragments have been left 
in the deck for, for you. you to get your grubby little hands on. Right. That one straggler now doesn't have a friend to go with. I mean, I've seen metas where people are like, no, I'm spending the three because I know it costs Nasroko. Like, I, I've seen that in tournament games sure. where sure. the really, really smart players are like, you know what? Just burn the tokens because we don't need to do Nasroka any favors here. Um, the other thing I think that it nets you is just information, right? I mean, the, the relic deck is still a bit of a crapshoot. You have the best odds, mm -hmm. but... Letting it sort of make, you know, make its way through and, and see what comes out of it gives you more knowledge about how the rest of your game might be able to pan out. You can plan a little bit better. Somebody else accidentally gets shard early. Well, that's a thing I know now, and I can yep. just sort of deal with that as necessary. Again, shard coming out too early on somebody else, not a problem. You can take yeah. the shard from somebody else. The tomb, sure. the tomb and crown is the only thing that's like locked in, and that's rarely a factor. So there's very little danger in letting other people cycle a couple relics for themselves. Yeah, well, there's also Obsidian, which you got to be, you know, sure. that, that's that's our that's ideal juicy. situation yeah. is getting that one. Um, but yeah, I say sell Black Market Forgery for a single trade good. Maybe maybe even sometimes sell Black Market Forgery for like fragments they're not going to use yeah. uh, or maybe like a trade good and a little favor or, you know, like, I don't know if it's if your meta is like a little more cutthroat then yeah sure maybe try and sell it for two trade goods i just don't think it should get out of hand i yeah. think that mostly like you you want them using black market forgery right so don't be difficult like, that's my argument for the table it. basically my argument for the table is like maybe don't start like definitely don't give nasroka more for it because they are incentivized to pay you not very much for it it's definitely not worth a lot to you the other players uh it's, yeah everyone's getting something out of it so just play that play it that way you know we're all scratching each other's backs with black market forgery sure but i mean you could i mean you, what what if you get obsidian though you know like it's, <laughs> it, it it definitely is like a a nice baked in situation where it's not clear like what is exactly the right thing to do yeah um so yeah definitely grease the wheels as much as possible get it out there all right, let's talk about the agent. Is the agent for sale? Um, in my opinion, it isn't. We yeah. need that. We are using that. That is kind of our, it's our bread and butter, okay? We need it. Um, we're going to use it. We got Distant Suns. We need a. We need to have a bit of an exploration bonanza here. It's hard to come up with a justification why you would be selling it to somebody else. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess, mm -hmm. like, if they're willing to pay a lot, but who's paying a lot for a chance to do one exploration? Like, the the numbers don't work out for this agent to be sellable. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't this know. is Ma just Ma one that... People are weird. People I, are weird. I'm mean, right? sure, I, but... It's, it's, it's a sellable, and I say no. Yeah. And if somebody says yes, then you should tell them no. Or unless, <laughs> I don't know, what are they paying you, I guess. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Alliance. Uh, it's it's kind of a little cookie. Um, yeah. You can sell it, but you kind of got to be looking at, you know, it's like somebody's taking a planet and they're like, do you want to explore the planet? You know, mm -hmm. like, are you, you're taking that from somebody. Um, so do you want to, you know, just throw me a dollar or whatever? And then all of a sudden it's been sold. I think that's fine. I think you can actually do a lot of weird stuff with it. Like, you know, you can give it to a neighbor and then like abandon a planet and then yeah. just take turns like invading that planet. I've seen explore. I've seen that worked out as the early game control objective deals is like the alliance yeah. gets factored into it where it's like neither of us have to pay. Like, I don't need to pay you for the planets because I'm going to get to explore. That's something that people sometimes care about early, right? Is, well, but I wanted the cultural explore off of that or I want the hazardous explore off of that. And the, yeah. the alliance is a cute little way to sort of be like, I can still let you get that. I just am also going to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then last, let's talk about, should we sell our own fragments? Um, no. <laughs> uh, I would say not. That's such a hard thing to set the price for, even more than the agent, right? Because the, the numbers get a lot more clear 
on fragments because it's like, well, it's a command counter, first and foremost. That has a yeah. clear value. That is three Minimum. influence. And it's a stall to even get there. So we're talking, you know, top dollar for you and for somebody else, it's literally just the chance at a thing. Um, yeah. And so the only people that are going to be able to afford and want to afford it from you are doing it for the relic. And depending on your phase of the game, are you, you know, are you handing out relics now at this point? I'm right. not so sure. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I think that uh, I would have to be in a situation where I hadn't been scoring. I don't have a lot of faith that I will win the game unless I sell the fragments. Yeah, the I would money's say more that, important at this point kind of thing. Yeah. All of my experience with this faction says that that they get a lot out of having those fragments, which yeah. uh, is a nice transition to what are we buying? <laughs> <laughs> what are we buying? Um, and we want to buy those fragments. That, yeah. That's what I think we want to buy. Uh, keep track of everybody's fragment situation. A lot of players end up, you know, most factions don't get more fragments after the initial wave. Right. So they'll end up with these weird, like, you know, just little, like a, I have a random green f fragment. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Try and get that off of them. Um, and you know what? If anything, maybe what I'm saying is you can charge Nasroka more for these random right. fragments if we want to kind of play against the guide as we do it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, they don't really get much out of having a fragment that's not going to be anything. Right. And you get a lot. Um, so yeah, try and pick them up. Try and give them, find out what they want for it. Uh, figure out how to get them, whatever that price is, and yeah. just continue to do that. Now, if they all hardball you, then, well, this is probably not going to work out too well for you, just in general. Yeah. Um, but, so if you're in like a, you know, a hardcore no boat float meta, then, well, what? You might still win, but you're not <laughs> going to win with their help, basically. Yeah. And also, yeah. they're not going to win with your help, which is kind of the interesting thing about not playing boat float. Yeah. Well, the other note here, too, is your sheer existence has devalued the things they might do to go get more. It's sort of the Empyrean factor with DET yeah. or whatever. The more people that get DET, the less valuable DET is because right. there's a limited resource on the amount of times we can get this stuff. Uh, the more you're using mechs to double cycle through these decks and get all of the juicy stuff, scan link for everybody else is now worse. It's just, yeah. it's just straight up and down worse because you are literally milling the deck faster than they can get to it. Um, so their spare fragments or even more up for grabs because like they're not even going to try to go any further than that. The only reason they go further is because they ended up getting two and maybe BMF will get them there. But anybody sitting on a single fragment, yeah, the only reason to not sell it is because you're trying to, you know, put the put the belt on uh Nasroka, which I hey, I get it. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I think most factions too really don't want to throw in like a late game scan link. That's like a real desperate situation for yeah. them as far as the odds of that paying off. Um, and if they're going for a yellow late game, predictive is the really preferable one. One of the reasons that I didn't bring up predictive in the text section yeah. was that hopefully we just have fragments. And what's nice about a fragment is you can cash it in in the middle of a round and you can put that token wherever you want. Right. You're just gaining a token. Now yeah. that can go wherever. I didn't think about that. Predictive is is always a great tech, but like you literally barely have a use for it. As yeah, I would it, say it could still be a useful thing. But like, again, the yellow skip to transit clearly more beneficial. There's all these other juicy absolutely. techs that are doing something you're not already doing. Yeah. And it's like, I would say if a, a Nasroka player tells me they need predictive, why not just just play a little better on the fragment game yeah. and then you probably don't need that access. The whole point of predictive that's exciting is, oh, in the late game, I can kind of get more juice out of my tokens. Yeah. Well, hopefully we have a, 
a token bank a lot by the time we get to the late game yeah um let's talk about you know are there any commanders that other players have that might be interesting for Nazroka. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think any of them really change our lives. I do like the Cabal Alliance since we have bad production. Right. Nomad Alliance is always amazing, but I think us getting that is, you know, going to be that's a pretty dirty deal. <laughs> Nomad you know I mean? shouldn't let that happen. I don't. Nomad think shouldn't let that happen. <laughs> I mean, maybe Nomad has chosen us to to kind of bump up as the the big bad, yeah, uh, so that everyone can stop Nazroka. But I don't, I don't know. I it, I'd be a little confused if. A nomad wanted to give me that, right. uh, but would my answer be yes? Oh my God, it would be. <laughs> I think for the rest of this section, we can just talk about exploration. This yeah. is kind of, I think, the most important aspect of the faction and also kind of the most difficult to keep to keep up with. Um, so yeah, like I said before, check out Guide to Exploration. Yeah, yeah. It was an episode we did in the past. Um, it's been a while, probably like almost 100 episodes ago that we did that. <laughs> um, so... What do we want to do on exploration? Well, I think we want to get a mech on specifically a hazardous or cultural planet first. Yeah. We want to get one there so we can distance suns those decks. Um, they both are, I would say, the highest value decks. Right. Uh, hazardous has really good value generic cards, um, and both cultural and hazardous have them. The, they're the top two for fragments. Right. So it's basically like when we go into those decks, no matter what, we kind of win. The industrial deck is not as exciting. A lot of that stuff is just not very good. Um, Even the attachments are not preferable. So I would say stick with cultural or hazardous. Um, I don't really like, I I personally lean hazardous a little bit. Yeah. um, But it doesn't really matter. I think they're basically equivalent to each other. Um, But yeah, just do that. Plan a mech there and then start using that agent every single round on that deck. Especially round one, I would say your focus should be a hazardous if you can do it because the the hazardous explorers are by far the most useful round one specifically. Mm-hmm. Cultural explorers like are pretty decent throughout the game. A good freelancer's at a nice timing. That's that's cute to have. Uh, you know, I love a mercenary outfit, but on the hazardous deck, like that's the stuff that we get an extra token to do something extra special round one. So if you're building a slice for Nazroka, you know you're playing Nazroka, like. I would say you'd want at least one hazardous planet in there no matter what because that's going to like be the biggest improvement to your round one above all else. Well, yeah, don't forget you can cash in those fragments. So technically cultural right. is has also got many command sure. tokens in there too. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, Although, you know, to stick with your guide, you know, we don't necessarily want to cash in all of those uh, fragments early. So, Absolutely. W- so whatever. Um, The other thing too that, and, and I'll harp on this a little bit more later is early game obviously cultural always has a little bit of the threat of dmz not that dmz is the worst thing in the world it's nice but dmz specifically blocks your mechs from doing their thing because the mech has to be on the planet to distant suns so the second you get a dmz that's now just a cultural planet you have rather than anything you're going to do any mining with so yeah very tiny factor there yeah it's true dmz is like kind of weird but also sometimes when you're playing in ra we'll talk about this uh, as an issue uh, so Shard of the Throne is one of our big options in the Relic deck. Yeah. But if we draw it and we have a legendary planet, well, uh-oh, SpaghettiO, we're not in a great place. Uh, however, <laughs> we end up finding the DMZ on Primor, yeah. suddenly I don't care. You know yeah. what I mean? So it it's kind of, it's the type of thing where you can get lost in the weeds sure. really thinking about it, whereas I just want to say cultural, hazardous, these are good, yeah. industrial, 
noticeably worse. Right. Um, and then just kind of stick with that. Worth noting too here, just just to finish up this point about like DMZ stuff, is the reason this does kind of matter a little bit is Scanlink doesn't work with this kind of stuff, but your agent does. <laughs> so you can turn things around on a DMZ planet if you're willing to not double explore on it, right? If, yeah. you, if you get malice with a DMZ, you can keep farming that for stuff. It's just going to be one card per time you use it. But Garvin Gun gets around the standard people have with a DMZ planet right. trying, to, trying to explore. Anyways, right. sorry, I let that go a little long on such a small thing, but... <laughs> yeah, so overall... Um, when it comes to exploration, we want to assemble those fragments. We want to grab our attachments. Um, we want to, we want to. I would say, juice everything up as much as possible and collect everything out of the deck. Um, frequently look at each exploration deck and keep in mind where the good stuff is and what you are shooting for. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there, and sometimes you know, sometimes the cultural and hazardous decks are going to get milled early by the other players. And then you do have to switch to industrial. Don't hesitate to do that. Just keep an eye on them. You are allowed to just look through those decks. Right. I don't know why, but you just are. <laughs> so I guess do that. Um, and then just kind of figure it out from there. Um, but yeah, uh, you want to mine yeah. the whole thing. Right. Like don't, don't leave any stone unturned um, and prioritize fragments. And then I would say then attachments. Basically. Yeah, you, you have such a high number of opportunities to gamble that taking them all on the whole, your odds are just so much more vastly improved than everyone else to get the good stuff that it's, yeah. it's absolutely worth investing in. I think this is something that's even somewhat contrary to our first Nasroka guide uh, that I remember I used to focus so much of my brain on what if we just didn't do the relic thing at all because we were kind of like ah these relics aren't that impressive but i could just be stall city and i could be command counter town you do that anyways while also getting the relics you just do both so right. you might as well mine but that's the whole point of like kind of hold out maybe on some of these fragments so that you can make that decision later you don't have yeah. to decide that in round two, like how you're playing this out. You have ultimate flexibility. But let's let's get a little bit even more narrow. We've talked about sort of the whole game plan, as it were. Let's get like somewhat round and phase specific. Let's talk about round one and let's talk about strategy cards in round one. Yeah. All right. So first up is leadership. Um, not exactly an essential pick. For Nasroka, right? Um, we there's a. It's very likely that we're going to get an extra command counter um, off exploration, whether that's through a fragment or through if you listen to our, our advice and went with hazardous, you might get one of the freebies. Mm -hmm. um, I think that if you are late in the order, um, construction to me kind of seems better if you have the slice where that makes yeah, sense. Right. Um, if you want to go for a round one construction, your last pick. And then nobody gets leadership, whatever. I don't care. I think that's just fine. Yeah. Um, we don't have an excessive amount of secondaries that we want to follow in most cases in a last pick scenario. And instead, getting the space dock down seems like the worthwhile choice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, Diplo, we talked a little bit about earlier. We sort of talked about mm -hmm. custodians-related ventures, and it definitely seems like money is critical to that we talked about what did we say six dollars is like the bare yeah. minimum of what we need to take advantage of some sort of important round one shenanigans yeah and that's part of why i think the hazardous deck is so good because right. the hazardous deck can give you a token it can give you a trade good yeah. which is important right now and then it can also just refresh that planet which is usually um, juicy money <laughs> like three yeah. bucks two bucks whatever 
Yeah, so even in a situation where someone doesn't pick Diplo, we actually maybe get a shot at Custodians right. Right. Um, with like trade or something like that. Uh, or or even not trade, we just trading with somebody else, we end up making the money to make it happen. Um, I think in a situation where we take Diplo ourselves, I think it's cool, but we just got to make sure that we're the ones that are going to get um, Custodians and not the player that took, like for example, Tech yeah. or something like that. Right. So it's kind of it's kind of weird. We need to look at everybody's capabilities and successfully figure out are they going to be able to be the ones that get it. If it's only likely going to be us, then yeah, take take Diplo, try and get Cruiser two, and then take Custodians round one. Okay, well, so we focused mostly on Custodians round one being a viable option, but politics. Mm -hmm. The main conversation there is Custodians round two. Uh, to me, it sounds like a scenario where. We sort of have options for both technically, actually, if nobody else is doing custodians round one. Do you like do you like politics across the board? I like politics all right. I mean, I think it's a good mid in the order uh, pick as it normally is. Um, we're in a situation where, yeah, we, we can probably get custodians round two if we don't have any competition for it round one. Yeah. Um, and we're just not really very besides that construction thing. We're not super strategy card dependent. And yeah. honestly, round one can kind of swing in all kinds of weird ways for us that end up making it so that it sort of feels like whatever strategy card we have, we're like, well, this isn't even where I'm getting like the good stuff from, right, right. you know? So like politics is kind of interesting because we're even in a situation where we don't get custodians, we're saying, you know what? Next round two is also going to be big for me. You right. know what? I'll take a I'll take another of of this actually <laughs> of having a good time. Yeah, something um, I don't think we noted in the text section that pertains to politics is the notion that again we start the game with psychoarchaeology. Any blue skips in our slice can just be gravity drive round one. Like we at least yeah. have that option to just yeah. we did we talked a lot about cruiser two because that's you know always accessible. But a blue skip in the slice means gravity drive is also accessible, which means we don't even have to do anything fancy. We expand towards Mechatol and then round two gravity drive to take custodians. So there's plenty of situations where politics is a pretty safe bet into the custodians for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up is construction, which we've sort of already talked about. Yeah. I like it. Um, we have a problem. We got one dock at home. Um, should we maybe double dock in the home system? I feel like I don't like double docking as much these days, as much as I would rather have like a solid forward dock. Right. Um, again, you know, Matt, you kind of uh, was talking about DMZ and yeah. like the difficulties that that can come up with. And that is something that happens. The thing is, though, if your distant suns thing is going to be a cultural planet like let's say you don't have any hazardous and you don't have that to think about at all it's just like i'm cultural all the way yeah, yeah. and you pick a planet that you're like this is going to be kind of my forward dock putting a mech there and using distant suns does mean that you will never actually get dmz unless you decide to have it right so that is an option i would say yeah the big thing is you i mean you're going to expand to the first planet right away you're going to decide you know you're, you're going to aim for the one you want the dock on it either gets the DMZ or it doesn't. <laughs> this is why I kind of make it that round one pecking order to me is the hazardous then cultural. Because like you said, if you only have cultural and industrial like that you're going to be taking, mm -hmm. chances are you have two culturals, right? So there's always right. a backup. There's the one that you put your dock on and then there's the other one you're going to mine or whatever. Of course. But what I'm saying is why not just put the mech on the forward dock station yes and then it's and then dmz can come time. up and it just doesn't matter you just take the yeah. other option yeah it's true yeah that's that's and also it's it's good to do distant suns on the planet that the space dock is going to go on because right. then you can start stacking it 
with attachments to yeah. make it even more effective, which right. is fun. Right. Next up is trade. Great pick for us, as it is for everybody. Very flexible. Um, it allows us to do tech, do warfare. Um, it, it I, I will say we do kind of need maybe uh, an easy trade partner or mm -hmm. we pick up an extra CC, which is like something that is not that weird for us to do. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's a very common favorite strategy card round one. And with Nasroka, it's no different. If anything, the possibilities, if trade is in our hands, is pretty wild. There's yeah. a lot of cool things that can happen. You could even have Diplo not get picked and then absolutely easily take custodians right. with uh, with trade round one. Uh, yeah, so gotta love it. Uh, the maximum efficiency might be a little hard to uh, yeah. even capture in this conversation. It it doesn't necessarily climb as high as the potential of some other factions, but be especially because you're more, like we talked about earlier, I, I think about the Nasroka as that a bunch of little trades over the course of the game yeah. is what is their full proper potential, but that doesn't mean trade round one is any worse than it is for any other factions basically uh so and especially that idea of uh like we said i, I very specifically need six dollars and six influence in theory right six bucks for a cruiser mm -hmm. and the tech as well as six like that's a that's a huge amount of money obviously um now we're mm -hmm. we have lots of things that are going to add to that total value that's going to be your trade goods from trade it's also going to be a hazardous planet that flips in the right direction because you got the right explorer on it or whatever um, what about this though? What if uh, I, you know, I explore? I have Aranam Mirror in my exactly. Slice. Yes, I explore Mirror, and Mirror's then I I get to influence. refresh it. Right. Yeah. And there's four influence right there. It's it uh, it, and really this type of logic kind of is what NRA is all about. Right. Of just like yes, it could go this well, or it could go this well, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about warfare? Yeah. It's kind of a similar story as to always. I mean, yeah. it'd be nice if someone else took it so that we could build that cruiser that we've been talking about yeah. or the whole guide. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't think we really want it. Like, no. I, I don't want to really have it. it. It'd be cool. You know, we're doing, like, more exploration, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. We're going to get there Maybe if I'm, anyways, like, last basically. pick and it doesn't get picked and I'm yeah. like, we're not even going to deal with it then. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe everything else is so much more valuable. I mean, like literally even construction is more valuable than warfare by the sounds of it. It's like the forward dock is so critical and, and, and more money from Diplo. I mean, would you Hunter? Yes, the cruiser is like a big deal, but there's even going to be the games where the cruiser actually isn't a factor, right? The cruiser to shenanigans to take custodians isn't yeah. going to become a thing. If you're sixth pick and you're left with like leadership of warfare, would you just take leadership and nobody gets to warfare? I feel like I would. I would just like let the table yeah. suffer. Yeah, it depends on how much that's going to hurt the other factions. If yeah. it's going to hurt a couple of them, then like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Yeah. But if basically everyone has 2C4I, then I don't know, maybe I don't care. It just depends on what I'm going to look at. Because the thing is, Warfare warfare can pay off in some like weird ways sure. for Nasroka. Like, let's say I, I don't know, I expand to a cultural planet, and then I get the Gamma, and then I'm like, ooh, I can like Warfare this and then go right to Malice right now. Uh, that seems like a really strong opening. Whereas leadership is just like, here's three tokens. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, yeah, and specifically leadership, we weren't at all cracked up about it. So I, d I definitely understand that being even the worst, <laughs> the n not an especially convincing argument. Okay, but let's talk about uh, let's talk about tech. Yeah, uh, this one is your like, you know, your conservative best pick. Mm. Um, controlling the timing of tech for us is probably going to be really cool in a situation where another player ends up taking Diplo. Um, that's the situation where it's like, 
I feel very confident saying we probably going to get custodians because all we got to do is come up with, you know, three, uh, three more influence. We have it at home. Now we just need a little bit more. Well, we also have to build the cruiser. So I guess we need two resources more significantly less money though because we also have a we we struggle with the resources a little bit in terms of what we start with right because our home is just the two resources the two influence ideally is a part of the custodian thing so the cruiser is actually kind of costly in that regard even though tech is saving us some money yeah I, i i think across the board Sometimes the cruiser is the hardest part of that whole equation, basically. Yeah, it could be. But again, that's why I say like if someone else is picking Diplo and I'm early in the order, I absolutely want to have tech because it's just like the way to just know oh it's, it's happening it's, it's gonna be it's right. probably gonna be me yeah um and what's funny is when other people take diplo i feel like that's always whenever i get to refresh the hazardous planets and then i end up like taking my slice and getting it all refreshed for yeah. me and just having all of this stuff to play with and maybe i got like an attachment on some planet that then gets refreshed <laughs> and now it's like even better it's just like again it's just weird weird little coin flips that start paying off for yeah. you and it just kind of never uh, stops with this faction unless you're just having a bad day in which case you lose here's my question before we get into the mid game is we're talking about all these coin flips we're talking about shard of the throne as a decent chance of ending up in your hands you might find that obsidian you have like all these opportunities for bonus points you have all these little small economic advantages is custodians honestly still that much first on your mind like in the terms of the meta, knowing Nazrok is a strong faction, like how threatened are you by taking custodians as this powerful faction that also might get more bonus points? Is that stretching too thin early or do you think it's too hard to punish you very much for it? I think it's too hard to punish Nazroka yeah. that early. I mean, like if somebody really wants to devote their time to it, uh, sure, but those mechs are very yep. good at holding planets. Right. Um, and I just think like it's got to be a really focused player that's going to be like I am annihilating Nazrok, and I've seen it happen. It's not like they're unannihilatable, yeah. but I think they are for me on my personal line of like, nah, we let's let's go ahead and let's yeah. go ahead and stretch. Then we're also good at winning like in the in the end game where we have nothing left by right. just turning in fragments that we've been collecting. Right. You know, I find like Nazrok is really wily yeah. in this way to where I think if a if a player decides they just want to try and destroy you, uh, it's it. You're still gonna get to keep playing yeah. the odds. It's it's one of those factions where you are actually in an advantage to push too hard in the public objective tempo because there's right. so many opportunities for you to win without your home system. Right? The, these these other points that you can find do not even rely on your home system. We we so many, you know, of these guides focus or or in general playing focuses on controlling your slice and your home system and all that. And SAR is the main one we talk about that like doesn't have to do that. Well, if we push out to an early lead, we get our custodians, we do a way too early imperial grab. We're like way ahead and people are really push punishing us, but we're focusing on plastic for the rest of the game. We can keep flipping things and get that shard and get the obsidian and win off of secret objectives and all that. It's like we can we can just like get the public objectives settled way too fast in in a, yep. a, a a disastrous way normally but we actually have this like protection that can keep us going and all of that uh, i i do think that's definitely interesting whereas so many other you know we in so many guides we talk about like you're playing for the stage twos how often is nas roca playing for the stage twos 
Uh, yeah, that's that's not our plan. Yeah. is to play for those stage twos. I mean, if if we get to them, it's not like we're bad at them. Right, <laughs> right. We would love. <laughs> They're to a just backup not plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The stage two are backup for you. Like Nasroka is. If, if things are going well, we might be looking for a round four win, and yeah. then we all just go home early. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's that's very very possible. Um. All right. Yeah. Let's get in the mid game. We need to talk about you know whatever it is that is. I don't even know really. <laughs> What the, it, it must it's something though there's no it's way to something. tell there's no way to tell what it is but we will try um i want to talk about positioning and i feel like we've kind of stepped on this section a little bit but it is worth i think reiterating yeah um that you know we should gum like normal because mm-hmm. uh there's a lot of really good reasons to attack nazaroka turns out <laughs> uh so we definitely want to have you know some ships fanned out in a way that kind of blocks the other player from getting to uh the juicy stuff especially you know if we have one really great planet uh, that has like three or four attachments on it. You know, we don't want anybody getting yeah. big lore or whatever. <laughs> um, we want to have our mechs fanned out. As I've described, we want access to those uh, decks, those exploration decks. We want to be watching them like a hawk yeah. and exploring the right one all the time. Whichever one is hot, let's be on it. Yeah. Um, and then we want to be ready to either go offense or defense in the late game. Right. Because there's a lot of it's it's kind of Nasroka is like pretty good at both, um, and you kind of just want to have your mechs in position where it's like, okay, where like you know whatever they're gonna need to do, they have access to it. Yeah. Cruiser two, like definitely shines in that way, and that's one of the reasons that I keep bringing it up is that it's very good uh, to be able to have that three movement with a mech. Yeah. Um, even yeah, if it's just need- going home from Mechatol or from yeah. the adjacent to Mechatol position or whatever. It's like, it doesn't have Absolutely. to, we so often talk about Cruiser 2 as these aggressive maneuvers, but sometimes they are that defensive unit that you, that you really needed. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting to the, this notion that like Nazroka can really just sit comfortably in your slice, right? I mean, you, you, you can do so much just camping out, doing your own mm-hmm. thing kind of in the corner. And honestly, the less, feathers you ruffle the the less hopefully people are paying attention to you and as long as you're keeping up with plastic you're not really worth attacking anyways and everybody gets to always think well i don't know at the end of the day nazrok is just rolling dice to see if they get a win you can hide behind that really often like they should take you seriously as a threat but if there's a more obvious threat at the table that's who's going to get the attention almost always because yours is always, oh, it's some sort of odds out maybe, of some sort yeah. of odds. Like I don't that- know. <laughs> maybe Nasroka is going to win, but that's a maybe. Am yeah. I really going to devote, you know, my energy to a maybe when right. I have a, like, I, I'm looking at someone else and it's like, well, they're just there. They right. have that. I can see it. It's not a, it's a hundred percent for them. Yep. And for Nasroka, it might be like a, I don't know if you really think about it, maybe at 85%, yeah, right, you know? Right. I'm just not talking about the 17, 85% chances that I have or whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and a special note for legendary planets, watch out for them. Uh, you got to think about shard always. Yeah. Um, I kind of like being in a slice where I don't have any legendary planets, if I'm right. being honest, uh, just because I don't want to have to think about it. If I do have a legendary planet. Well, guess what? We're saving all the fragments until... The end of the game yeah. and the last point yeah. will be shard or whatever. Right. I'm almost like happy when someone else gets it because I don't want to think about it. Um, so just watch out for those. Keep them in mind. Uh, keep in mind that we don't exactly love them. Yeah. Um, they're not like... We know, get all our mechs out anyway, so Hope's End's not a big deal. It's not like uh, we're a big action card thing, so the other half of Hope's End is like whatever. And the infantry thing of Primor is like fine, but... 
again, it's just not necessarily one of the, the advantage of Primor and Malice is again, those are ones that we can hope, you know, could maybe find the DMZ on and then just not have to think about. But yeah, yeah I, I, I sort of agree with the idea that honestly, we're doing, we're sitting so pretty that we don't actually need that legendary planet. And if anything, we'd rather somebody else accidentally get the shard with their legendary planet and we just go take it with our flagship and mechs. That's a lot easier solution than the alternative. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about agendas a little bit. Um, agendas are pretty straightforward. Not a whole lot to discuss here. Um, mech agendas uh, are not good for us. Yeah. Uh, which is like something I think we mentioned in the Mahawked one. I think we called that exactly Anybody with good mechs. Two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have good mechs, so we don't want anything bad to happen to them. The rearmament agreement, which is the one where for each player gets a mech against each player replaces all their mechs with infantry. Obviously, that's a disaster. Yeah. We don't want that. And then articles of war. The, for the four outcome, we lose printed abilities, which just means for us that the mechs can't flip over yeah. to the side that can fly. It's not actually that big of a it's, deal. I, actually, honestly, yeah, that. sometimes Articles of War, in the right circumstance, you know, I'd rather get rid of my Empyrean and Mahawked neighbors' abilities, yeah. and I still hit like a truck. Uh, yeah. That doesn't sound too bad to me. The, the rolling two dice is, I do not believe, a technical printed ability. We still just have that. No, That's yeah, what we roll. It, so. you, still ha you still hit two on a six, so actually it's... Uh, it's pretty all right yeah. um, in that uh, scenario. So in, in, a, in a way, actually, Articles of War is pretty great for us. Yeah. Um, command counter agendas are kind of like just whatever yeah. um, because hopefully we have a bunch of relic fragments. Right. So if Armed Forces standardization comes out and it causes us to actually lose command tokens, hopefully we can recover from that with the fragments. Yeah. Um, and then clandestine operations, of course, which is lose two off of your sheet or lose one from fleet. Yeah. Hopefully we can, you know, make up with our just general command right. counter strength. I mean, th this is another of the reasons we wait to cash in as many of these fragments as we possibly can. We're waiting to see right. about shard. We're waiting to see about so many things. We're not trying to do too many. And and honestly, these two are just annoying enough. It's not like you're planning around clandestine operations, but it sure is a huge pain in the butt to, in round three, sort of get ahead of yourself, cash in a couple fragments for tokens, and then you immediately lose those tokens. Like, you just wasted a significant amount of value in doing that. So, yeah, wait if as much as you can and make sense, the point is just to wait on cashing in fragments until like the last round. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Let's talk objectives and then let's get out of here, okay? <laughs> let's land this plane. Let's land this Z-Grav Idolin, okay? <laughs> All right. Objectives. Control objectives. We're pretty good at them. Cruiser yeah. 2 can make them happen in the early game. Our mechs with distant suns can make the tech spec one more doable. Yeah. And guess what? They can make the attachment one more doable. Easy. Right. Done. Yeah, I mean, Economic we're, we're basically the best faction at attachment ob objectives, a uh, thing everybody else hates. Everyone yeah. else hates that objective, maybe except Titans. Yeah, no one likes it, but we can actually dig through the deck for it, which is great. Economic objectives. We're real good at economy stuff, okay? Yep. You, if In the worst case scenario, you can sell your fragments to like make up for anything you might be lacking. Um, sometimes you'll get Dynamis Core. Guess what? That one's good for it. Yeah. You'll be great, all right? Yeah. Um, we, we, we don't really have much of an issue there. Tech. Uh, two and two colors, slightly annoying. Okay, not not the best. Nobody, but nobody really likes that one. Sure. Um, we could we could throw in a bio stems and go, you know, blue green on it. Whatever. Yeah. It's not really out of our way, which is the nice thing, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's it's one tech out of our way. We're getting that. We're skipping to an extra yellow, or we're getting that extra green. 
oh, well, everybody had to do that. Everybody had to make that sacrifice. As opposed or to a mean, faction who started with not enough stuff to eat. You know, there's the factions that have to go too deep into a color they never even wanted to touch. Like Empyrean only ever wanted all the blue tech. And now it's like, I got to figure out my yellow tech situation or whatever. Like, we're well, not we really actually that, start but. with green red. So, uh, but we, we can get a green is my point. Yeah, so whatever. Uh, unit upgrades, easy peasy, um, obviously. Uh, so not a big deal there. Structures. We need a forward dock, so it's not too bothersome. At least we sort of have an interest in structures as opposed mm -hmm. to not having uh, an interest at all. Uh, sometimes you're going to fish JR out of yep. the Relic deck, and when you do, it, you'll be happy, and yeah. you'll be thankful, okay? Right. And that'll be another... And your PDS of Secret Objectives just got better, too, maybe, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of which, let's talk about Secret Objectives. You have AI Dev, which means a lot of the unit-dependent de action phase ones are easily done or at least graspable. Yeah. Uh, we can even score demonstrate your power without having three <laughs> tokens in fleet it's, it's so nuts stupid the mech counts as a ship yep. when you are in space combat meaning but doesn't count to fleet pool it's the wildest ruling it doesn't ever. count to, no yeah doesn't count to fleet pool but it does mean that you can have three ships at the end of a space combat <laughs> that you've won and therefore you can get demonstrate um our alliances good enough, which means that if we need to do some uh, some just betrayal. early betrayal, yeah, if we need to betray a friend, we can make that happen. Um, you know, whatever you, you can do an alliance swap with somebody if you need uh, other things. Right. Uh, mechanize the military. We score that one in our sleep, and it doesn't even look weird. People aren't even <laughs> like being like, oh, uh oh, that yeah. NRA is mechanizing the military. It's like, well, no, actually, it just looks like NRA is just playing NRA. That's just yeah. what it looks like. You okay? have to do it to do most of your commander. Your commander is three mechs on different planets, and this is just like, how about one more, probably? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about some secrets we don't like, though. Okay, we don't like faction tech. Ew, well, yucky. We don't like destroy heretical works. Yeah. Okay. Uh, at least we have, I mean, we do have fragments, so it's not right. like it's hard for us to do, but I don't want to spend my fragments on getting that secret objective. I'd rather use those fragments to get an extra point and then yeah. score the secret objective as a normal point. Season icon, kind of rough. Uh, it, it, it's, we don't really, because of everything we said before about legendary planets, they're kind of weird. Yeah. Don't really like it. Awkward. Uh, Unless, really unless we can do the DMZ trick, and then it's yeah. awesome, yeah. <laughs> and then it and rules. Cool. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. it's yeah. always that kind of the thing, right? We things are great until they're not with Nazroka, <laughs> right? Um, and then, uh, as we've already mentioned, double docking at home doesn't even give you produce on mass. <laughs> so we hate that one. That yeah. one is that one's really it's bad. really bad. You they have to get like, like Baragler to four or like Abysfria or something to produce on mass. There's like so yeah. few opportunities for you to pull it off unless you're going to go space talk two, which we do not like. Uh, yeah. And then what stage twos uh, we sort of half mentioned earlier, but I mean, they're a fallback plan. We can do, I don't know, a third to a half of them without that much difficulty. Yeah. Well, you know what? Here's what here's what I want to say uh, at this point. You know, any good Nasroka game, you shouldn't even you, your goal should be to not have to do these. Right. So really for you, it's about shard right. and it's about obsidian and it's about. Tomb, Tomb of Amphidia, uh, or Crown of Amphidia, or both, I guess, is what I should be saying. Uh, it's about those three. We want to get some of yeah. those from the Relic deck, maybe even plus Custodians, mm -hmm. plus uh, a support for the Throne Swap. There's so... The pool of points available to us, it's beautiful, Yeah. okay? So hopefully we don't have to do a Stage 2, but if we have to, we're pretty good at economic stuff. Uh, attachment controls are kind of uniquely just great for us. Yeah. Um, 
and and another good reason to get scan link by the way to just like kind of double up in the late game on your explorations if you have to right but mostly let's try and not worry about the stage twos let's 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 try and go home early for once <laughs> why can't we just go home at round four nasroka allows for that possibility and let me tell you if you're playing against nasroka why not just let him roll the dice? I don't know. Like, maybe let's just see. It's the most fun. Yeah, it's fun for everybody. We finish the game early. You watch some dice roll. Everyone screams because they got the shard. Like, you literally, every Nasroka win ends as a good time. Every single time. No yeah. matter when it is. Yeah. It was a good time. It, it's, it's a great thing to have happen. So, let's just let it happen more often. And, guess what it proves? Friendship wins in the end. Okay, yeah, exactly. the little goblins and the little kitties get to kiss and they get to have so much fun and it made the whole game more fun because everybody else got to draw relics that seemed really right. cool. Can we go mm -hmm. back to the first two months of Prophecy of Kings when everyone was just like, I don't know what's good, but Nasroka sure as heck is the most fun thing definitely at this table in every single game and Nasroka was in every game and we got really tired of it because they were in 100% of games because they're definitely the most interesting faction in Prophecy of Kings and they're basically a base game faction to me now. I will not take a fifth edition that does not include Nasroka in the drop, okay? Yep, yep. Yeah, that closes it up right there. That's it. We did it. I want to thank our weird bears. Big Al Cappuccino, Squeamish Emu, Brassbird, Cabal of Soul, Kalu, and Daryl, Jadim Jedi, Carnal, John, Necrodize Twice, Kindred Spirit, Alice, Lord Raddington, Emil Shevsky, Sunfax, Absol, Ricky, M44, Rwise, Ryan, and Spirit Thing. <coughs> and I want to thank our Teensy Sprouts, Patrons of Virtue, Ethan from Cardboard Crash Course, Baldrick, Tautology, Is What It Is, Kraken, Frank G, Rekka, General Pith, My Son Is Also Named, Born Uncle Batty, Savant, and Vince. Hunter, can I take you to the homebrew review? Yes, please do. Okay, I've got a wonderful one because we talked a lot uh, for a, a bit there about green tech today. And Baldrick had a wonderful suggestion for just for just a green tech, okay? Here's just an idea to add to the green tree because it's weak and it's weird and we can come up with what we want this to be. This is us contributing to the homebrew for a second. Baldrick just said, how, what do we think about an unnamed, it's definitely a green tech, it goes somewhere in that green tree, but the ability is action. It's a stall. Ooh, I like it. It's a stall. Exhaust this card to discard one action card or one secret objective, then draw a new card of the same type. Uh, gee, Baldrick, I don't know if it's good enough. <laughs> um, no, that's crazy good. Why is that so good? That's like I, insanely replace good. Replace x89 with that, and now we're talking about green tech. I don't well, no, are we though? No, I here's, mean, probably, the, here's the problem. <laughs> we're talking about here's green skips a lot one. more often. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking yeah. about green tech. We're talking about green skips. <laughs> I'd maybe put it, you know, maybe replace hyper with this, actually, yeah. because it needs hyper to be something goes down sort to two. of graspable. Hyper yeah. goes down to two, a yeah. little bit more accessible. This goes to three. Get rid of X eighty nine and I don't know what you put in its place. Yeah. Okay. I'm into it. I'm into it. I, I, I think it's really good, but it's like something that Hopefully you won't need this. This is like to sure. fix a bad problem. Yeah. And that's a little rough then to like re recommend it in a vacuum yeah. as like something that should be in the game. Uh, but I'd, I'd try it. Baldrick, this is, I mean, it's a great idea. Yeah. Let's, let's have it. Maybe it should just be level zero. Let's just have this. Whole, <laughs> Everyone this can just, just cycle secrets. Now. Like it's not Everybody a big deal Everybody just has all. this. How yeah. about that? Let's have it. <laughs> uh, hey, I've also got an agenda phase for us. Furniture Damage asks, which factions do you think have the strongest flavor? And do their in-game mechanics reflect that strong flavor? I feel like I've talked about this a lot today, but your answer is the name of this episode, 
yeah. boy, the Nazroka are by far the best faction at doing everything on the tin. They're friendly. They're great. You get to trade stuff with other people. It 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 operates in that you get to dig around and explore. You feel like an explorer more than some sort of wartime faction. You just feel like you're doing fun, good stuff with your buddies. And yeah. that's exactly what the Nazroka is. This is this this is the by far the best answer for this to me. But what else do we got? I like Mentak for this one. Yeah. I think Mentak has a strong pirate vibe and you feel it. And I think they have an impact on the, in, in the game in a way that I think pirates might have an impact in real life. I've never met a pirate in real life. But I would imagine <laughs> there's somewhat, you know, if you're on the high seas and you see a pirate, you're like, ah, uh, you know, I'm like annoyed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm very annoyed about the pillaging that's about to happen. To yeah. me, in the same way that I feel that way about playing against yeah. the Mentak. That's a similar answer to, uh, I think, Vulwraith Cabal is in that camp too, which is to say, this sort of unknowable thing, this just like messed up thing yeah. where its goals yeah. seem to be not aligned with the goals of the rest of the game. They're, they're sort of just out for their own desire to consume and kill and whatever. And... Uh, that's how so many other games go where it's like, was that for the win or did you just build a racetrack into my home yeah. system? And that was sort of that became the game for you, I guess. And and it's very easy for the table to like rally behind stopping the cabal. Like the if, yeah. if the cabal existed as an existential threat, um, I don't know, an old me would have thought the universe will rally behind with each other to stop the big obvious bad. You know, may, maybe that's the case now. And so maybe that's good theming for for cabal. We all have to stop the, the cabal. You know what I think is kind of weird, actually, is I wanted to say necrovirus is an example of this, but I huh. actually don't think they are. I think they don't make the any weird sense. Way, <laughs> they don't really make sense anymore because the way the way that they, you know, after Magi kind of wrote the treatise uh -huh. on how to play necro and they changed from being, oh, let's be really aggressive to like, let's actually be like pretty passive yeah. um, and like be smart with the way that we acquire tech. And then, yeah, and Dane leaned into it with like this agent that's just like, yeah, let's like, do monetary things. They're now no. transform. There's like mathematical transformers now. We need a re-theme on Necro to just be like, we're the L1Z1X that aren't obsessed with war. We're just obsessed with all the math. We want, we are capitalism incarnate. I want the numbers to go up and nothing else. <laughs> We've never talked about that before, but yo, Magi like rewrote yeah. the necrovirus. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like Magi was like, oh, you, like looked at the, the the rules of this faction was like, yeah. wait, here's what this actually adds up to. And then Dane obviously read that and yeah. ripped him off mercilessly. And I mean, how dare you, Dane? You're about to get sued by me. Yeah. And that's why the famous YouTubers come to Magi when they want strategic Twilight Imperium advice. You know what I mean? Oh, that's a little inside baseball, Matt. Who knows what you're talking about there? Um, yeah, of course, Mr. Beast isn't going to message us <laughs> to be like, like, he listened to 10 seconds of our show and he goes, it's a bit unprofessional for me. Yeah. These guys, <laughs> these guys are dweeb idiots. Like who actually knows how to play the game? And somebody was like, oh, this guy Magi does. This Reddit um, guy so is then, perfect. So maybe yeah. this one. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, I don't, you know, I don't, you know me. I, I agree with, with that guy's take on who to call. Yeah. So I, so yeah, I, yeah. It's, you're, I'm looking at your foam finger in the background, Hunter. I mean, we know, we know the score. Uh, yeah, hey, absolutely. everybody, if you love Magi as much as we love Magi, you can rate Magi on your podcast app of choice. Whoa. Yeah, you can give Magi five stars. You go to our show. I'm, I know it's kind of weird, but like if you give no, our no. show a five star rating, it's actually for Magi for, for, for one week only. Only, but it's a fire sale uh five stars all of them go to magi this week and you just talk about how much you think magi is the best or you can give us 
give us five stars, but only mention how we talk about Magi. Yeah. Like five right. stars, the best Magi hype people yes. ever. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we are we are the high the the we basically manage Magi. My favorite you know Magi I mean? podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my absolutely. favorite podcast that talks about Magi. There you go. <laughs> you can also go to spacecatspeaceturtles.com for information about our Patreon, our Discord, our merch, etc. You can send us this Imperium Life Stories where you tell us your favorite plays of the game. Send me more round one crazy shenanigans that didn't result in any sort of win. You didn't even win the game, but you had the most buckwild fun round one you've ever had in your life. Send that to spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail dot com and everybody the qualifiers are starting to kind of wrap up let me say this on the show if you were supposed to be in the qualifiers and you haven't been hanging around the discord please come sign up for your qualifier match because uh, we're you're running out of time and you're about to get kicked out of the qualifiers yeah, and other people are getting like the, the gates are closing and we don't have quite enough people responding to game times to make games happen and we do have to finish these 83 games or dire consequences will happen so yeah. i don't know come on and play yeah please help us out on that uh, join the uh, patreon and you the waitlist is that now is the yeah. time to join the waitlist more than ever the waitlist is go yeah. you will get in a game if you have some availability and you want to go hop on the waitlist there is a post on our patreon with a link to the sign up form for the waitlist join our patreon hop in it's open enrollment right now just come on down and be a part of the, the final games of the qualifiers yeah, and it says here, Matt. Nope. This is like a doesn't I've never say done anything. This bit. Yeah, no, so it says it at the bottom. It says say a oh, word. It says, well, do you remember? I don't know if I've done this before, but at the bottom it says tournament games of the week. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Keep an eye on the feed for yeah. an upcoming bonus episode. Just kind of keep an eye out. Yeah. I, I just want to reiterate. Everybody, keep your eye out for that episode. Oh no. <laughs> everybody, just kind of keep. I don't know. Just keep your eyes out. You know, like. I, <laughs> You know, just kind of, I don't know, just like, just keep an eye out. What if we just do this for a year? No, uh, you're you are reading it wrong. Hunter, you're reading it wrong. If you want an episode for a, bon- a bonus episode, I think, will you keep an eye out for it? Because I can't find the dang thing anywhere. Please keep an eye out for if that episode because just... it, has a, it ran out of the front door the other day and it will not come home. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>